0: Blob Talk Radio
1: It's time to
2: strap our boots on This is a perfect
1: day to die Wipe the blood out of our eyes In this life there's no surrender there's nothing left for us to do, find the strength to see this through, we are the ones who will never be broken.
3: Hello
4: folks and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the conservative conversation. And also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Thank you, everyone, for again joining us uh, this week uh, in our continuing uh, coverage of the 2018 primary election. Although a lot of folks uh, out there are interested, especially after last night's uh, squeaking victory, uh, by the Democrat Connor in Pennsylvania. We will be discussing and doing some analysis on that tonight. What does that mean uh, for the Republican Party uh, this coming November? And that will be one of the questions we will uh, ask uh, and elaborate on with our guest this evening. And that is the Senate candidate for Nebraska, uh, Todd Watson, which we'll be bringing in shortly. Uh, this was it this past yeah this past summer, 2017 I was actually in Nebraska and uh, went there to see the solar eclipse, uh, which I, I could tell you a little I'm a sad story about that uh, about forty minutes before the uh, the total eclipse uh, the clouds came in and I traveled seven nine hundred miles or whatever to go see it. and then five minutes after the full eclipse is over, total eclipse. The sun comes back out. The clouds go away, I should say. Uh, but anyway, but I did really enjoy my trip. Uh, I did like the scenery. Uh, things of that nature. We really like to go back. And perhaps uh, the next time I'm back there, we will have our uh, guest here, Mr. Todd Watson, as the senator of that state. So let's go ahead and welcome uh, Todd for coming to the show. How are you tonight?
5: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
4: I'm oh, doing all right, doing all right. Thanks for, uh, for coming on to the show. Really, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. The real so, question uh, is how
5: much money you did you said spend it was in
4: out Nebraska there. when you came? Uh, the last summer, it was pretty nice. We went to uh, Wilbur, Nebraska. there's
5: a little B and B out
4: there? Uh, stayed out there to check see the eclipse.
1: Yeah. Sorry?
5: Great. Yeah, it's a wonderful Czech community. Hopefully, you got some good uh, breakfast pastries while you're there. Uh, they had some. They had some at
4: the um, well, at the Wilbur Hotel is where we stayed, actually. It's it a uh, B&B uh, out there. Uh, but, yeah, it was nice. It was quaint. Uh, you know, it's been a couple nights there. Uh, it was a nice little town to walk through. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, they have their Czech festivals there sometimes, and we weren't there for that. But um, it was a really nice community there. So let's go ahead and we'll uh, get right to it. You know, it's kind of you're looking at some things at your website and, uh, you know, just doing some looking here. To, you know, you stayed somewhere. I think it was on an article. Uh, where it says that the foundation of your campaign is the Constitution. And so how uh, does your opponent, uh, do you feel, which, of course, Deb Fisher, the the main opponent, I would say, at this point, uh, how does she adhere less to the Constitution, or how would you compare yourself and your adherence to uh, your Constitution than Deb Fisher?
5: Well, this could take a while, but, I mean, she's violated the Constitution (laughs) over and over. But, you know, I always start with, I think, Article 1, Section 8 is really foundational for anyone running for Congress. And those are the enumerated powers the people wanted the government to do. And, of course, they have the 10th Amendment saying don't do things that we didn't tell you to do. But if you go into Article 1, Section 8, I mean, you can go right down the list. I mean, we have regulating foreign commerce problems, Clause 3, kind of delegating that away. To the president, clause four deals with Supreme Court ruled Congress gets immigration. This Congress can't get anything done. In fact, my opponent funded unconstitutional executive amnesty by Obama. That was tragic. We could spend a lot of time, especially with the libertarians out there, talking about clause five and you know the currency. Uh, you know, I talk with the military. They're frustrated. They take an oath to defend the Constitution. The least they can do is expect the same out of the politicians, but they won't declare war. In fact, they duck the vote, Clause 11. Reauthorizing war in the Middle East every two years, Clause 12, won't do that. Suppressing insurrection, Clause 15, won't do that. Treaty provisions, whether it's the Paris Accords and our electric grid or the Iran deal and for national security, just do an olay on ratifying the treaty, just... Do whatever you want, Obama. We're not going to object. We won't make any noise. So, you know, we can talk through Amendment 4, passing the privacy rights, uh, you know, Article, Amendment 10, we could be here all night. So you just go right down the list over and over and over. And that oath she took to defend the Constitution is laughable. Um, it's sad, really. It's just sad. And And then we can talk about, traditional Republican claims to cut the budget, balance the budget, repeal Obamacare. I mean, there's just nothing there worth keeping. We need to move on. And I voted for her. That's the sad part. I voted for her. I thought she'd be great, but she hasn't done a thing that she promised.
4: Well, another one of the things, and we'll talk a little bit about this later on, uh, You because know, it's one of the things that I mentioned in the opening comments Uh, I did want to discuss with you this evening, and and perhaps we can kind of move around with some of the questions I I have, uh, is, you know, of course, and you you may have or may not have been paying attention to uh, the congressional, you know, 18th congressional vote there in Pennsylvania uh, last night, and how it appears, uh, at least at this part, Connor Lamb uh, is is going to take it beating uh, Rick Tacone. Uh, now, supposedly he was kind of, you know, a weak candidate, wasn't a big candidate. And, and actually, in the in the long run, it may even not matter uh, just for the very fact that that district is going to go poof. <laughs> so, you know, these, these two may be actually running against each other again or in different districts or, or what have you. Uh, but the optics of it is, uh, you know, a Democrat, won in a strong, uh, you know, red um, district and also – one that Trump took by 20 points uh, there. And so, I mean, do you think that, I mean, and it was cool. I mean, it's 49.83% at this point, uh, the 49.57% uh, when I'm getting, at least from uh, Balapedias where I got those. So literally about 1,000, if so, if so, votes, uh, you know, between them. I mean, but this is something that Trump in 2016 took by 20 points. I mean, you may have heard of uh, the blue wave possibly coming, Uh, Do you think this could possibly be a well uh, well weather for the Republicans coming in November?
5: Um, It's hard to say. I mean, we're we're here in in red country here, but I think the bigger problem is Republicans are failing. Like, I don't think it's a secret. I was an independent in 2014 and the mainstream would want you to believe that that's a moderate, but that's not true. If you read Webster's, it means free from party control. And the reason we did that is because we don't think the Republicans accomplish much of anything. They're not as conservative as they pretend they are. And when you don't look, if you're a run, we talk football out here in Nebraska. If you give the ball to the running back and he gets two yards a run every time for 20 plays, you bench him and you go with someone else. And, And I think that's where people are frustrated with, especially in the legislative branch, it's, Look, you didn't repeal Obamacare. You didn't cut spending. You didn't get immigration done. It, you just don't do anything. And so if you keep giving the, run, the ball to the running back and he runs for one yard to carry, two yards to carry, you're going to give the ball to somebody else. So, you know, I'm not too focused on things that I can't control, like Pennsylvania or so forth. I mean, yeah, I think there's some trends to observe and study, but I can't control that. Um, what I can control is you know the proactive constitutional mission I believe in, and if people don't like the constitutional mission, then you know not my problem uh you know I'm giving them an option that really has united us, moved this country forward, and go with it. but I don't want to be someone I'm not, and I believe in that document if it wins, we're going to do some great things if it doesn't, it's on the people they're going to accept the consequences just like they did the last election.
4: Well, certainly, and, and back to your, you know, your original point there when it came to uh, Deb Fischer is that one of the things that they said he came so close to. Well, he, I mean, if he won, is he? and you know, he really ran to the right. Uh, he was actually sounded more like a, a moderate Republican, uh, and I'm talking about, um, you know, the 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 Democrat candidate, you know, Connor and. What people I think don't see is, you know, and I was saying this last night while I was opining, I was watching the results come in, you know, I was like, "Look, folks, I mean, you're you're gonna vote if you vote and now, as I said, it's a move point, but just to go along in the 2000, you know, in the November, it's like, you know, these people, and it may be something where the Democrats are gonna start running to the right when they're elected, but you know, they're gonna just fall down party lines once they get in there. You know, I could see Pelosi now, you know, kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, you know, wink, wink to, uh, you know, this Connor guy and saying, hey, I understand, you know, to lamb, you know, you got to run this way to to win, but now that you're in, now you got to follow our rules, vote with us, or that money we threw your way, you know, for this election, let's well, not to be there for the next one. So whether it's him or whether it's any other candidate that runs to the uh, runs to the center, runs runs right. Uh, just I hope people are mindful with that, um, you know, when, when they you know they they do their vote. Like yes, you can't. But I mean, if it's if it's something that could affect eh, Pennsylvania, I mean, presidentially, it's usually, you know, at least in the recent history, has gone Democrat. But uh, we'll see. And then, and so I think that's a you know a good segue into you know you bring with uh, you know the Constitution. It sounds like that that's kind of like your main uh, your main focus and the reason why you. Uh, you know are running to tell us a little bit more about that
5: well it's just a standard that uh you know we put into the ground that everyone should look to i think the problem with the r&d argument it's comparative identity politics and it moves back and forth kind of like you said now it's funny i mean in this state senator fisher runs to the left and i believe in the republican platform more than she does so we can You know, she's funded Planned Parenthood four times. Really, what's different between that and a Democrat? You know, she promised cut spending. She increased spending $900 billion. How's that any different than a Democrat? Platform calls for the elimination of the CFPB. She writes a bill to grow it to five directors from one. So all these people campaign on one thing, but then do another. And honestly, it's like this is where I think comparative politics has failed us the Republicans actually think they're conservative because they compare themselves to Democrats
0: when in reality,
5: they're progressive light right now. And so why I believe in the constitution is it's a standard. It's defined law. It worked for over 200 years. Let's keep going. And it also unified the country. I mean, let's not forget the country was, um, you know, it wasn't very unified when the constitution was created took many years and said you know what we can agree to this together we'll defend that so it, it's a nice unifying document but after that when you talk about limited government i mean the federal government for the constitution is designed to be limited and then you can be concert, state levels can be different but federal government should be limited so you know you look at this record and you're like it doesn't look like limited government to me and it looks like a completely inept legislative branch Um, That that really can't achieve much, and it needs to change.
4: And that's actually one of the your slogans, or is your slogan, is "Make Republicans uh, Conservative Again." Uh, Now, with with yourself, kind of maybe you know you get elected, you're leading the way. And and what ways would you you know have that you know movement go on? Uh, How would you do that to make Republicans? Because man, the the rhinos are entrenched. In uh, and, and the Republican parties, and, and not just you know not just within your politicians. I mean, you, you even have you know Fox News. I even see a comment last night. I don't know how many people caught it when they are doing the you know the talking points and things of that nature. You know, kind of analyzing the election last night. I can't remember the gentleman who was on, uh, but it was on Fox News, and, and one of the guys was like, "So and, you know, so you, you know, you're the only conservative here. What do you think about what happened? What should conservatives be uh, concerned about with this election?" And so I think, I think it kind of made the you know took the cat out of the bag where Fox News isn't really you know all that conservative. They have you know folks like you know Sean Hannity that's kind of uh, push a conservative, but as a as a network, I think they've actually moved more towards uh, the center, maybe even left and left in some. Not I don't know if I'd go as far as say left, but you know. So what would be your approach on making the Republican Party uh, conservative again?
5: We need a lot of constitutional dialogue. Um, I, I call basically what our senators do is blending into the wallpaper. I mean, you never hear from them unless they're angry with Trump. Then they always get the media waves. But, I mean, we, we've got we to speak up. We need to talk to the Constitution and debate the Constitution on the floor of the U.S. Senate. I mean, frankly, they don't debate anymore. You know, we need to question this idea of majority leader. Where in the world does a majority leader exist in the Constitution? Show me. Why does one person set the agenda for all 100? Aren't all those senators equal by power? I mean, we need to have philosophical discussions of what's going on on the Senate floor, and we need to talk to the Constitution. And I do what I do with the voters. I'm going to sear their conscience with what the law says in Sear their conscience at least where i'm from i suppose a lot more people here they care if you put your hand on the bible and you take an oath to god to defend the constitution from threats foreign and domestic maybe that means something more here than it does other places but i still think it has meaning across this nation and you remind them what the constitution says you remind them you put your hand on the bible you took an oath to defend it you're going to look god in the eye and say i'm going to break that oath and then we have to remind them what did it say what did it say and and then look them in the eye and say okay you vote against that and then it's up to the voters now frankly a lot of this problem is and they all talk most voters complain about dc they need to look themselves in the eye there's a lot of problems with voters i mean voters will they get duped by propaganda every time on the tv they don't know where the propaganda comes from but they like it when it comes to funding campaigns They've been conditioned over 50, 100 years to let the establishment do it. They don't do it anymore. Well, no wonder. Guess who gets elected? It's the special interest because the involvement of the citizen has really gone apathetic. And so who's not apathetic in government? Well, it's the special interest groups. So why do you think they run the show? And why do you think the people are frustrated? A lot of it comes down to apathy and not being involved. So it's not just a politician mm-hmm. problem, it's a citizen problem and really we need a reawakening in this country. Two things. One is I mean we we do say that, you know, a lot
4: on the show, a lot of people need to, you know, even still wake up. I think they have in the in the recent uh you know, recently. Uh but and two is that, you know, some folks when I interviewed folks for when Trump came in, uh, they said, you know, oh, this is a movement, you know, this is a movement getting, you know, Trump is about, the, you know, about the people, you know, rising up and voting someone in who's a non-politician. And I've really been hoping that, you know, with these uh, primaries uh, that, you know, and that's why we've been interviewing a lot of the, you know, the grassroots, the the non-career politicians, the non-political class uh, here on the show is because, you know, we, we need more of those citizen statesmen, stateswomen in there uh You know, to actually you know get these incumbents because like once they get in there, as I mentioned earlier, you know their 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 party leaders come and say, hey, you you got in and and now you got to play our ball game, or else you're not going to get any money. And once they're in, they're like, man, I worked my ass off to get in here. I want to stay after you know two, six, four years or whatever. So unfortunately, going to go those lines. I do see other folks on the line uh, want to uh, have any questions or comments with our. I uh, guess push the one on the number dial and I will get you into the show. Um, and so it's Via trip Now, one of the and I've got a number of questions here is it, uh, it sounds like, you know, just some of my readings that, that you are not too fond uh, of the Trump tariffs on steel and uh, aluminum. And you were quoted as saying it's just hypocrisy to hear them, and I, I believe you're referring to the Congress, cry about what the president is doing, and yet they uh, gave the president the authority to do this. And then you suggested if they are really concerned about it, uh, they'll step up. So if you were elected senator, how would you uh, have stepped up to the situation?
5: Yeah, well, let's clarify that. It's kind of ironic. In 14 I ran, I supported some basic protections for manufacturing, especially around our military forces. We need to be able to make our own supplies here, not in China. Not, we've got to provide our own defense weapons here. I was called liberal for saying this. Now it's part of the platform. So what I was trying to say in that, that's kind of taken out of context. No, I, I think there's some, there's some ideas there to support, but you have to look at the Constitution. So Article One, Section 8, Clause 1, duties are in the responsibility of Congress, not the president. Now he's using some act. Of course, our Congress always delegates to the president. He's got, he can do a temporary tariff. In the name of national security, I don't think that's why this is being done. I think it's been done for economic reasons, but technically it's under national security. But at the end of the day, it's the job of Congress to put duties or tariffs, if you will, on products. It can't be his job. I mean, think if that power goes into Obama's hands. Do an excise tax or a duty on coal now because we're going to do windmills. You can't have unilateral creation of taxation from the executive branch. That's just what the Constitution says. And then in Section 3, you've got um, regulating foreign commerce. So this is what Congress should be doing. So what they used to do at the founding was a lot on the economy. Now they just – what I was referring to in the article, you said it was fast-track authority. They said, here you go, Obama. You get all the amendment power in the treaties. We're stripping ourselves from amending treaties. Now where I'm from, they're worried about the greens and soybeans, and they should be. but it's their own fault. They gave the power to the president. They actually advised our senators to say, yep, give away your trade power to the President." Now they're upset with the president, but guess who gave them the power? This is why when you don't <laughs> yeah. know the Constitution This is why when you don't know the Constitution or the standards it creates, I always say it's our founding laws that leads us to prosperity. When business groups tell you to violate the Constitution for self-interest, enough. And it's, it's ironic that their self-interest is now being destroyed based on their own encouraged constitutional violation. So it's a lesson for anyone. Don't ever violate that document. But actually, some of Trump's economic plans and ideas, I had before he did and has been a longtime supporter. So it has nothing to do with the president which I can't get through out there. It has everything to do with the constitution, but we're working with a constitutionally illiterate society. Now where only about 5% of the people remember those clauses, but taxation doesn't belong in the executive branch.
4: Well, I tell you what, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of singing the song here when, and Dr. Torbert, I see you'd like to get in. We are going to get you in uh, here very shortly. Uh, and yeah, we talk about that, you know, that a lot. And we have, uh, you know, some guests on who are, who are saying how they, they do not teach, uh, the Constitution, uh, and I've got a 16-year-old daughter um, who, uh, by the way, uh, is, you know, I'm trying to send uh, uh, her, she's going to a new school next year, so I'm trying to send her to uh, to Italy the, the year after that if she's got an opportunity to go to the Vatican City. Uh, so I do have a post on the website on the Give page where if folks want to help the host out, they're welcome to do that. Uh, and we'll I bring up that website later. Uh, but anyway... I got to and pay and pay again, Dr. And court, I'll, I'll bring you on, but we, you know, we, we talk about that a lot of times where people just don't, <laughs> you know, that they, they don't really know the the constitution. They don't teach it in school anymore. And I mean, I don't, uh, my daughter's a sophomore in high school and I don't remember ever having even a project or a homework assignment or anything dealing with the constitution.
5: I know it, it's, it's a crisis. And I, I'm not kidding when I say this, I mean, I, when I break down the most important roles in this country right now, I mean, obviously you got your president. I think Senate's important. But then I think number th- it's school board. I mean, these school boards, and I've got some intimate knowledge of these school boards, they get even all the conservatives distracted on pet projects that don't amount to anything. We need school boards diving into curriculum in a serious matter because the constitutional uh, the civics courses are just severely lacking and they need to be looked at. They need to be read through and they need to be readdressed. I think it's just an imperative issue. The school board needs to address around the country. And I encourage everyone, anyone at the grassroots level get after it on school board. I mean, it is such a huge need.
4: Well, and, and it's been going on, you know, for, for decades, I'm not trying to age myself, but, uh, you know I mean, I even remember back when I was in school, and I think you know I didn't even have a government class offered to me. Uh, no, you had your civics class, but they they briefly covered the Constitution, but uh, you know, I didn't have a government the opportunity to take even this uh, American government or government class to my senior year in high school. <laughs> that's the only time they even offered it one class, and this is a couple decades ago. I hate to admit, <laughs> so. But anyway, let's go ahead and the uh, promise bring in Doctor Troll. I do got uh, some more questions for him, but I do want to bring uh, him in as well. So let's go ahead and uh, thank you very much, uh, Doctor Troll for coming to show. How are you tonight?
2: I'm doing well, and and just for the uh, speaker's information, I'm a doctor of education, a pastor, and retired military, and I send eight articles and memos to the president on a monthly basis covering constitutional laws and what is happening. I visit and play with the VAs and Department of Education, and my resume is sitting on the desk, and I'm no party affiliated, and I've helped individuals get into uh, positions that were not Democrats and Republicans. And I ran for the governor of Florida. I ran for the U.S. Senate and I ran for the president of the United States. Now, having said that, we'll get to the Commerce Clause. And the Commerce Clause, the issue there is that the sovereign state rights that is not being brought up when people talk Commerce Clause, that if the federal government should enact a rule or law under the Commerce Clause that infringes on the right of a state, they then cannot enforce that law. And that's the problem that we're faced right now. Now, if you go to who is behind the tariffs, and you go into Cruz, whose wife has put together the North American Treaty Agreement, and Trump is now looking at, okay, we're going to put tariffs on everybody but Canada and Mexico. And, you know, this is where now your Ford Motor Company products are coming out of uh, Canada. Your cars and, and exports and imports are are coming in. The whole issue is to do away with the IRS. That's number one with H.R. 25. I don't know if you know anything about the uh, uh, consumption tax law, which was written, and although it may have been written in 2008 by a Republican from Georgia and another Republican out of Um, Texas It's a good starting point Of making changes Uh, We actually wrote Articles called Brain Jobs Home Made in America In 2008 And if you read our articles By going to Calltoduty.org You will find that a lot of things You're hearing today Is actually coming from articles That are being sent To John DeStaffanel The personal secretary and advisor Of the president, and then they're being rewritten uh, to include uh, the visas, the Department of Education, uh, the VA, and other things. So, what do you think about when you look at the Commerce Clause and you go down to the last sentence, and it says if it infringes upon a state rights, that the the federal government has no right to do that. Also, there are only eighteen rights the federal government has. Under the Constitution The Department of Education Is not one of them And neither is drug enforcement Or climate control Or any of the other ones So how are you Mm -hmm. going to get them To follow only the 18 rules Of the Constitution And keep it under the 10th Amendment
5: Well, I mean The main power you have in the Senate Is to defund, defund, and defund So We have to, and it kind of stems with that answer that I had earlier about searing their conscience. Um, Again, you're only one out of 100. So I think strong oratory skills, and and frankly, a lot of people in the Senate need educated on the Constitution. Again, it's not there. So um, I always say, okay, so maybe I don't win first year because we have such a polluted Washington, D.C. So what's your next best option? You doing what we're gonna do? no, I mean you got to start with change with one and then hopefully you get to ten. I think the Freedom caucus has already grown. I plan on joining that, but uh, you know education keeps coming up in these questions. I think I addressed it. You brought up education. I mean let's just get it on the table. It's another big difference between Senator Fisher and I. He went along with the continuation of the No Child Left Behind. Uh, you know, $100 billion more With the federal government As well as getting we, their hands in the pre-K now So it, we this wrote is crazy
2: articles, Yeah, we wrote the original articles My doctor degree happens to be in education And we wrote the original articles uh, Why education is not working And how Common Core was structured With um, uh, Bill Gates and uh, GE And a couple other mm-hmm. individuals and how it actually started its origination in uh, Europe on, under Hitler and in Germany. A lot of people don't yeah. know that the Department of Educational Leader, this lady currently, husband, father formed Amway, and he's a multi-billionaire. She has no background information, education has no idea at all what to do with education. Uh, and, and you can talk about the VA now too. The, they're talking about. The governor of uh, uh, Texas is now going to be the next person in charge of E.A., who was a captain for two years and who, of course, has his own certain ideas about things. So there's a lot of political moves being made that are not in the best interest for the American people. Department of Education should be closed. It belongs to the state. It does not belong to the federal government it's not included in the uh, uh the constitution so it's under the 10th amendment so that's how you start you start closing all the departments that are not covered in the constitution as a senator how are you going to get the other people to agree with you
5: and as i said earlier you got to make strong oratory arguments on the floor and sear their conscience with what the constitution says um but, yeah, I agree. I mean, the Department of Education should be abolished. That's why I talked about the CFPB should be abolished because um, in, in, it does belong to the states. But, you know, we talk about this poor civics instruction, and this is really the problem is centralized control over education and Common Core. I've had the privilege to review a lot of these Common Core books. These bookmakers can't make it unless they serve the entire country, which, of course, it has to be Common Core-approved curriculum. And a lot of this curriculum, especially in the civics level, is garbage. So, again, I think it, it comes down to elimination and defunding. So I took a lot of heat from my own party, to be honest with you here, because it's like you're back and Betsy DeVos. You're right. You're behind Betsy DeVos. And I'm like, I'm behind eliminating the Department of Education. And right now your chorus of most Republicans is, Support private school and Betsy DeVos And your Democrats are like I hate Betsy DeVos Get her out And I'm like it's not even the right question (laughs)
1: You
5: know So we've got a a mainstream population That's They're arguing two sides of this coin And it's not even the right question to argue So I think a lot of it Has to be strong speaking To what the Constitution teaches And, And how you get this done Is you defund uh, a lot of these a lot of these uh, pet projects with these administrative agencies, but referencing an earlier point, this is why I think you want to get to the root of it. I think you have to go- talk about i mean this is real it 's not radical it 's common sense but it 's hard to achieve is you 've got to get rid of the majority leader position because you can see the fill the tree um, tactics they use so you can't bring amendments to the floor you they control the who gets what spot what what comes in and out of committee the whole nine yards and it's centralized bureaucracy even within the party with on on the floor and so that's i don't see any constitutionality for that structure and i think once you can get the structure flattened you can make more civil reform and progress on these issues but there's so many problems. It's like, which problem you attack first and how you attack it? Yeah, Jim, we, said we do
4: got uh, Jim Condit on the line. Uh, Jim, we'll get you in shortly. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Tolbert, and then we're going to bring in Jim.
2: Yeah, the Electoral College in itself is unconstitutional, and there actually states in the Constitution that the president should be on a ticket and the vice president should be on a different ticket. They could be a two totally different things. We found an antitrust violation because two corporations, which is Democrats, Republicans, are corporations, are actually doing things behind the back of the American people. And it was accepted by the federal courts uh, three years ago. Uh, How do you break down the fact that political parties, uh, according to Jefferson, if two political parties – Uh, Ended up controlling the United States It would be the destruction And do you agree that that's where we're heading Because we're not voting for people But we're voting for things like George Sawyer's Putting multi-millions of dollars to cause violations
5: Yeah, I mean, I think we're in need of serious reform I mean, Jim's name rings a bell But this is the problem I mean, I'm a constitutionalist Well familiar with constitutional party Daryl Castle is a great guy, Um, you know, actually interviewed the guy out of Texas, Alaska. The problem is these, these third parties, like, where are the funds? Where are they getting behind candidates? And everyone wants to run their own show. And I'd like to see these third parties get more organized and work together and stand behind each other. Uh, But it's hard. It's hard. And so, I've done it. Oh, I ran, yeah, was put on by ballot, but you take on these machines. It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. Yeah. So I think you're talking the philosophical question and the logistical question. Yeah. Well, the Constitutional Party came to me
2: in 2016 and asked me, how do they get on the ballot? They couldn't come up with their 29 electors. I picked up 14 electors, and I put them on the Florida the ballot. They would not have been on the Florida ballot. I was a mm-hmm. no-party affiliated to switch only long enough to make sure they got on the ballot For the same reasoning Not because I was for or against political parties But because we weren't giving opportunities Today for somebody to run for president And be on the ballot in the 50 states It's a cost of over $50 million How constitutional legal is that?
5: Yeah, not very And and to be honest, I'm not familiar, familiar with all the procedures and costs in each state i know what it takes to get on nebraska and it's tough we actually had a candidate that was a republican was running as an independent and then he became a democrat because he figured out how hard it was to make it go on third party we were fortunate that we made it by signature petition alone across the entire state over a hundred
2: over a hundred thousand uh signatures required to run for the governor i had sixty thousand
1: You have to put
2: $11,000 in cash if you don't have the petition. So I go as a right-in candidate. I had 14% of the population of Florida. When Scott and Chris came together and the fact that Sawyers and Romney have your computer chips, uh, there is no winning today because it's all being election fraud.
4: Well, I think that's a – Dr. Tolbert, I think that's a great segue to uh, Jim Conant, uh Jr. being on the line. He's definitely covered a lot of that. maybe even hit, made some comments on last night's uh, vote there in Pennsylvania. And, of course, uh, we've got him. Hamisa uh, from Watch the Vote USA. Uh, but let's go ahead and welcome Jim. Uh, thank you very much, Jim, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? It's great to hear from you. Uh,
3: how, how are you doing, Robert? Um, is the candidate from Nebraska – is good. Is the candidate from Nebraska still on?
1: Yeah. Hey yes. Jim, it's
3: Todd. I'm right here. Okay. Yes. I, I'm sorry I'm late, but could I just ask? You're you're on in the Republican prime primary in Nebraska. Correct. And do you, are you um are you coming from uh, I, I I don't I, I don't know if you you've been in elective office are you a congressman running or are you uh, running from uh you know citizen which is fine and do you think you will be competitive uh, possibly in the race.
5: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I, this is my second run at it before. So, um, yeah, I think it's going, going really well. I mean, we're, we've got a lot of followers and, um, you know, I, it's hard, it's hard to know. I mean, we don't pay for polling, so I don't know where we're at, but just from online activity, it's through the roof. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty encouraged about it.
3: And is the incumbent a Republican or or a Democrat? Republican. Okay, so you're—is he kind of a rhino? I mean, in other words, you're a hardcore conservative or constitutionalist running against a rhino. Would you say?
5: Yeah, she's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably putting it oh, mildly, it? but yes.
3: Oh, that's too too kind. The, the, what I wanted to mention to you is that um, we are working with various people running for office this year. Um, after many months, it looks like the Roy Moore team is going to come out on this issue. Uh, he and uh, I guess it's possible he'll run again because the next election is only like a year from now. Um, we're trying to reach Sheriff Opi. Our put something in somebody he knew put something in his hands, but he didn't get back to us yet. Um, uh, Mary, uh, what's her name? Marsha Blackburn in in Pennsylvania in Tennessee is in great danger of being defeated by computer fraud because she's she's a really good conservative running for Senate there. And um I, I would I guess I, what I would urge you to do is consider making an open count part of your platform. It it, it it resonates great with the population once they find out that the votes are being taken away from the people before they're counted. Okay? So you can see we, we submitted to uh, president trump's election commission a report that is at watch the vote in the first three sections really uh especially the uh, first section of the table of contents then sections two and three kind of give you all you need to know but for instance this 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 thing in pennsylvania yesterday um totally counted by machine um uh, i don't know if, if people on this call have heard me say it before but people are unaware that there's three companies that count 99% of the American vote in 96% of the counties. They're ES&S, which is Election System and Software, Heart InterCivic, which we use here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Dominion, which used to be Diebold, and uh, they bought Diebold and Sequoia's election divisions. But the point is most people have never even heard those three corporations in one sentence because the national media will not mention them they don't want the people to think about this so all the things yesterday to kind of relate it to your election were counted on machines okay i did thankfully hear somebody there saying there's (laughs) irregularities excuse me irregularities in the voting machines the parts of that district so they're going to Make an inquiry. I I wish I could advise them how to make the inquiry. So if you if you go on a website called VerifiedVoting.org, you can find out which company is count has been hired to count the um, the 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 counties in your in Nebraska. Uh, In Alabama, all 67 counties are counted by ES&S. This one company. So. And and they they counted on secret programs, and all the election officials sign a contract that they will not look at the program, the software that tells the computers what to do on election night. So what I'm worried about is even if you would win, that they'll just steal it from you at the computer level. And then you say, well, gee, most people should then ask, well, wait a minute. Can't we get at the the ballots or something? And the answer to that is generally no. In Alabama – they just they they take you know they they put all the ballots and make a ballot image, which is what's the computers count, and they destroy that ballot they destroyed that ballot image throughout the state by the end of the day, with the approval of the Supreme Court because there had been a case. So they people vote, machines take a ballot image, all run by one company in the whole state. They then destroy the ballot images that were counted, and then you say, what do you can't we get at the ballots, and you. If you get a recount, if you pay a million dollars for a recount, if you're not within a percent, a half a percent, if you pay a million dollars for a recount, then they run the, the votes back through the computers in, in Alabama. So you can't get at the ballots. It's probably the same way just about everywhere. And that destruction of the ballot image is is the normal. That's the normal practice, not not the, the exception. So I'm just urging you um, – perhaps consider going to watch the vote USA dot, dot com. Uh, i've been uh, you know dragged into this issue, issue since 1979 and um it's a lot of years of experience that you can get up to date in an hour or so of reading because if you do get to the point where you have a chance to win then you're you're in great danger of them computer frauding you is all i'm saying
2: Yeah. Can I make a comment? This is Dr. Tobert again, just on that same subject. There has been an investigation now that they're finding that people think that these computers are offline, but they now find that 90% of all the computers that are doing the voting machines have a chip in it. And that's when we came back to Bill Gates again and how that Sawyers and Romney actually are owning the majority of these companies. And these companies are actually founded out of Venezuela, and then they trafficked out of Venezuela over into India. So when you bring these subjects up, people need to do a lot of research. There is no such thing as a legal election anymore in America.
3: Uh, It's absolutely correct what the doctor said. These machines have chips or modems in them. And just like if I call Robert Jetter, the host of this show, Uh, We're both in Cincinnati, but still, I call him across town, and even though there's 10 million cell phones within the 10-mile radius or whatever, my cell phone somehow reaches his cell phone. So if if Robert would call the doctor, Dr. Tolbert, somehow it gets to his cell phone. Now, to think that ES&S, election system and software, which counts 60 percent of the American vote, to think that they don't have – um, technology, where they can go by wireless or satellite means directly into the, each of those machines, query what the count is and change the count, I think we're being naive. If we got it, they got it. And these three companies, basically, whoever controls them controls the elections in the United States. Um, the The other thing I would say is they're always buying and selling each other. So for a while it was something in Ireland... And there's something in France and there's something in Venezuela, like the doctor said. They're always buying and selling and it came out on the Sean Hannity radio show near the end of the to, near the two thousand sixteen November presidential elections that George Soros had a large share in a machine that in, in the in, in the company that was providing the machines for a lot of these, these in, a, in a lot of the United States for the mostly for Dominion, the one that bought Dybul, Okay. So but I would urge, I would urge the idea that while they keep moving around ownership and all that of this that, or the other thing, uh, the three companies are controlled by um, probably the people behind the international banks that issue money, the Fed, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, uh, whatever shadowy forces are behind those those types of institutions probably control it because obviously some people said hillary controlled the voting machines others have said bush's do right ru- but obviously if that were the case the democrats romney certainly wouldn't have let himself lose in 2012 so while he does have ownership in one of these companies i think uh something there must be a higher force than the democrats and the republicans that are dealing yeah. that are yeah. that have yeah, I mean- to drop on Yeah, Lonnie's son is
2: actually the president of one of these companies that machines are coming out of Venezuela. And what you're just saying is that why isn't Congress stepping in and investigating? And why hasn't the CIA, FBI, and Homeland Security got involved in it? And how do we get... The president more aware of, and we wrote him articles on the exact same subject. And I think you're going to see a change. But why isn't that news?
4: We need. And let's go ahead and bring that, that over Todd. to uh, to Todd. Go ahead, Todd. That oh. a, a lot
5: of information. <laughs> God, yeah, I think I was waiting for the for the class to be over, but uh, yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm not naive to this. I mean, we've got. You can look at Senator Hagel from Nebraska Look at his Where he was CEO, CFO in the past Uh I've read the stories Of course it's not Ironic he got to be the Republican Nominee for Nebraska but then worked for President Obama which just tells you how Republicans in Nebraska really are Here But but his uh, Private enterprise along Election machines in the past has been Noted and studied and I'll leave it At that yeah, I, I sorry to go on for so long,
3: uh, Todd, but I just wanted to – let me sum up on what I think you – as, as well as if you can study that, what you should do, actually do. By the way, ESNS is headquartered in Omaha, Nebraska. I, you may be aware yeah. of that, but if not, they're there. But what you need to do, what Sheriff Opaya needs to do, what uh, – if Judge Moore runs again, what Washburn needs to do, what Trump ideally needs to do. We need I, – I talked to Trump for 40 seconds in Iowa. In, two, in February of 2016 at Marshalltown High School and handed him the paper and said, you need to look at this and protect yourself from pure fraud. We talked back and forth for about 40 seconds, which isn't long, but he said he would re- – six months later, he did start saying, I'm afraid they're going to rig the election against me. But what he said the other night uh, at a press conference is his heart's in the right place, but he clearly doesn't understand it. Trump said, we need paper ballots. It's old-fashioned. We need, but we need paper ballots as a backup. I missed the well, hanging chance. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, that's actually the Yeah,
5: no, we do, and side. you need to be able to count them. I...
3: But 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 the, the, the that backup is not right, the language of the other side.
5: We need paper ballots counted
3: by the neighborhood citizen, hand-counted before they leave the people's site, right as the polls go. So that's what you should ask for. You say, I want an open count. I want the ballots to be counted by the people in each precinct, before they leave the public site, and the powers that be will go nuts because they want to take those ballots away so they can cheat. That's always why people throughout history want to take ballots out of the public site. So anyway, that's a simple thing. People don't really need to understand all this stuff other than that they're taking our ballots away before they count. They're counted. I want an open count. I want the ballots counted before they leave the public site right as the polls close. Now you got the answer no matter what the problem is.
5: Mhm. So anyway,
3: I just want I just wanted to get I just wanted to share all that with you. Uh and I'm sorry the, the lesson as you said goes on a little long, but you got the problem but then the solution is really quite simple except you got to convince people that that, that, that they got to be on brainwashed this is the one area where computers are no good because we can't see what's going in, on inside a computer. I agree.
1: But isn't that
3: true of any product that is now made
2: in China that's coming in or other countries that are having hidden devices and uh, disks in
3: them? I don't know about that. You could be right. But but, uh, the election machines and computers got to be thrown out in the first phase because of the modem problem and all the other things we were talking about.
2: Yeah, and I just sent uh, Robert a a paragraph that we wrote back a couple of years ago about uh the fact that um the country Smartamac and uh, Antonio uh Mark car and Alfra and his brothers and sons and the principals and their location in Florida and their ties into Venezuela and yeah, you know, and yet the press is not even talking about it. And you guys are running for office. I watched what happens and when when are we going to get Congress to do their job? When you're going to run, you're not going to win. You're going to spend all your money if you don't correct problems.
5: Well, I think it's why we you know, I tell the people it's kind of weird though. People are looking for the new wave to get our constitution or our republic back But yet they look for This radical change To come in clothing that's similar To what establishment people that have sold out Look like you know <laughs> So it's The the campaigns aren't going to look different They shouldn't feel different And that's how you know it's going to be different But it, I don't think as patriots The patriots have flipped over Even their mindset to understand what does their activity and their finances look like to get this? What does their activity and their work look like to get this? It's pretty much are still, I think we progressives are still ahead of patriots. Most of the patriots still complain, critique, comment, but they don't really get involved. Where the progressives, man, they're motivated. They'll get up. They'll get up and act. They'll go protest. They'll go do stuff. And I I I hope conservatives can get involved. Hold
4: on, on, Dr. Tobert. Let let Todd finish. Go ahead, Todd.
5: Yeah, so that's, I mean, again, it kind of goes back to our points on apathy. It's um, we've got to get motivated to move into action. And I haven't outside, and I think that's the power of Trump. Trump got people off their duff to move into action. Where other patriots, other conservatives haven't motivated people to get off their duff.
4: Well, that's actually when you, was, you know one right. of my other questions I wanted to have. Real quick, Dr. Colbert, uh, but I wanted to uh, I want to ask him. That's actually one of the things I wanted to to ask you tonight. Is you know through, through my understanding, at least I haven't seen any at this point, And uh, of course, you being there, uh, the boots on the ground, you would know better than I. Uh, but it appears at least at this point uh, in the primary. Uh, Trump hasn't shown any type of support or endorsement, at least that I know of, uh, for any of the Republican candidates yet. I mean, two, uh, two-part question here. One is that is that the case? Has there not been a uh, any type of show of uh, support from uh, uh, Trump or uh, from the administration? Hear anything about that?
5: Not to my knowledge. I don't expect it. Nebraska reps have been pretty. They've been against him. I mean, Senator Fisher, two weeks. Before the general asked him to step down and Pence to take over, I mean that's not even constitutional <laughs> he didn't even Pence didn't even have a vote, but yeah, that's what she asked for and Of course, Senator Sass is notoriously a trump hater, and you know this whole state loved Rubio i mean it it's Chamber of Commerce, whatever the Chamber of Commerce says we're going with, and it's you know it's a Rubio Bush type support that's that's what you get here, so I don't expect uh him to see too much but you know, I, I do get frustrated. Some of these, let's call better guys in Congress, like I think Senator Paul's great. Senator Paul's always on an island. And with Senator Paul, I love the guy. I think he's probably the best senator we had in 17 up there. But he needs he's to break away. He's actually against and uh, endorse- Pompeo
4: being the new, uh, I, I was going to bring that up, but since you, since you mentioned it, he's actually one of the few, if, that, if not the only one, who's against uh, Pompeo being the new uh
5: Uh, Defense Secretary, go ahead. Yeah, I I was just saying he's got to break ranks with going around with these incumbents and find people that are against these incumbents that never agree with with Paul. And so I think part of reform in Congress is the few good people that are there have got to break mold and get behind outside candidates to kind of grow their own base so they win some of these votes.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we say that a lot. And, and so the second part of the question was: Let's say you know, you know, if if you had the opportunity to sit down, you know, for you know a few minutes or so uh, with Trump and kind of give him your you know elevator speech on you know if it was to do any kind of support, any kind of uh, endorsement, uh, what would you say to him on on reasons he would you know would would pick you and, and get behind your camp for this primary?
5: I said, look, Trump. I mean, it's One, I'm here to defend the Constitution first, but after that, I agree with a lot of what you're doing. So, you know, I got your back to help change a lot of what's going on in this country. But if you you cross lines with the Constitution or constitutional authority, don't expect to have, you know, for me to be there. That's my sworn oath. So, and, and, you know, I think we can have... I think if you go around this country, look, New Yorkers are different than Nebraskans. They're different than Californians, and Ohioans, and everyone's got a different style, right? You got to get past some the style and look at what's the end result. And at the end of the day, what's the bill say? Because that's what's going to affect people's lives. And, and I, you know, I say I don't get too caught up in, in style. There's things I definitely wouldn't do, but at the end of the day, moving on, I get past that. Let's look at policy and let's move forward. So, um, but I also think we need to build a strong legislative branch. Uh, I'm like, Trump's going to eventually be over. And it almost scares me. It's like progressives have their monarch. A lot of conservatives have their monarch. At the end of the day, we've got to reform the legislative branch. So if another crazy Obama comes back or whatever, it stuff like he tried to do can't go down. And so, I hope the American people can wake up to the need to have a strong legislative branch again, because it almost seems like they don't care anymore. They've given up one of the two.
4: Well, and they, and they almost, it's almost to the point where the American people revile. <laughs> don't, I don't know if "revile" is too strong of a word, uh, Congress, which which is kind of baffling because you know, as you know, you know, Congress, Senate, whatever, has such a low approval rating. I think Trump's even higher than theirs now. But they keep voting in the same people. Uh, now, one of the things that I think would be interesting to uh, you know, many of the listeners, and especially you know, our our two callers here, and uh, Jim and in Dr. Tolbert, uh, is that one of the things I want to see what your supportive thoughts are on a con- uh, constitutional convention. Uh, and actually, I, want, I had a question want to ask before that, but maybe that could wait. But, uh, you know, what, what's your thoughts on having? A, is that something you'd be for, something against? Why or why not?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm supportive of. We've got to keep going with the education on this. Um, the, a lot of constitutionalists are divided on this, but what I, the common denominator I found is no one completely understands the process 100%. And some believe like, you know, Congress then gets involved. Some believe they're appointed. You know, it's a convention of the states, and so. Where I think the movement needs to go right now is I think it's done a poor job of clarifying the exact process to cure the fears of a runaway convention. And there's some people who won't even read the document and they still are convinced it's a runaway convention. I don't believe what I've read and what I understand that the whole convention is scoped well. It can't be runaway. The applications have to be tight. The checks and balances are there. So yeah, I'm. I don't see any other way to accomplish some of these goals. And frankly, it, can it get any worse?
1: <laughs> I mean, so, uh,
5: I, I suppose it could. But um, I think the first step for the convention of the states, which I do uh, think is a great idea, is to do a more educational campaign on the process to cure the fears that were planted by Soros of a runaway convention.
2: Can I interject two things there, Robert? Yeah,
4: go ahead, and then, gentlemen. And then I do have uh, one other question, and I want to make sure that the, you know we have you know lost and or not covered any specific topics that uh, Todd would like to discuss tonight. Uh, go ahead, yeah. Todd.
2: Yeah, number one is that people don't even know that the Thirteenth uh, Amendment of the Constitution was no lawyer is allowed to be in the seat of the Senate or other political offices. And then they took and lost that uh, amendment, which was ratified by all the states, and changed it to the Slavery Act. So that means all the amendments after the 13th Amendment are totally unconstitutional. If we got rid of the 12th through the 27th or the 11th through the 27th Amendment, we'll find that they're all in the original Constitution and the Bill of Rights. So that's problem number one. Problem number two, when you talked about financing, the Federal Reserves is not constitutionally correct because it's supposed to be part of Congress. And the Federal Reserves are owned by the Jesuits, which are tied into the U.N. So closing down and reorganizing the way we fund our money, closing down the Chase Bank and J.P. Morgan and all these banks that are now running our country, is why you're having these political problems.
5: Yeah, I mean, as, as we started the show, Article One, Section Eight, Clause Five. We we <laughs> really, if you want to break down one clause, it's got to be recovered. It's that one.
2: I'm being quiet, Robert. Hey, Jim.
4: You, go, uh, go ahead, Jim. And then I've, I've got uh, a, a last question here. Uh, perhaps one one more after that for. Uh, time then I just. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, we can bring to our second segment of the show. That you know, was any specific topic that he wanted to discuss uh, while being on the show? Go ahead, Jim.
3: Sure. I. I guess we're we gonna, we're going to have to have another night to debate on the Jesuits because I I don't believe the Jesuits have anything to do and there's no evidence that they have anything to do with the Federal Reserve, Goldman Sachs, Chase Manhattan, World Bank. The, the, to your question on the convention of the states. Um, Todd actually described my frame of mind. I'm confused. I've listened to Mark Levin, I've listened to the opponents, and what I've said is, "Hey, if it can be you, me, Todd, Dr. Tolbert, and the people on this call, let's do it right now." But if it turns out to be even the state legislatures were in danger, maybe. See, I I've been persuaded there is a danger of a runaway convention, but I'm not sure I understand it. So. That part of it. So, um, so Todd kind of described my frame of mind as someone who would like to see some good nullification of some of these things or clarification that the Congress can't hire a private corporation like the Federal Reserve to issue the money, may get some t- things tightened up. But uh, Todd, I'm confused on what the what the dangers are, if <laughs> any.
5: That's what I've learned out there is people are confused, and I've advised the convention of the states people, I go, look, you got got some people that believe it's a runaway convention, other people, and these are all good-hearted people that want the right thing for the country. And I said, you've got to educate people on the process in detail. They will read it. Just to clarify that a runaway convention won't happen. So that's why maybe my answer is different. I think they need a re-education campaign on the whole process because no one looks at it the same way. So... Yeah, and as far do you, as the Federal do you,
3: Reserve goes... Do you believe... Now Todd, do you believe there is a danger of a runaway convention or not?
5: I do not. So and I know... So I, I, well, they,
3: they, they would define what it was going to cover before the convention or something?
5: Yeah, I mean, the application process has to be tight. The language has to be tight. The language can't be changed at the convention. If it gets changed, then it has to go back to the state legislature for re-ratification so i don't see a runaway convention happening
1: in how it's been
5: presented to me but then i'll talk to someone from another state and they they view it totally different so i think that's where cos has got to get on the same page and make sure that everyone's presenting the same process they should do a video of it
3: okay is what is what as you understand it what it would cover would have to be defined and then passed by 38 states so that would like bind the constitutional convention to certain
5: issues. Yeah, and the clauses, the language has to be verbatim that all states agree to. So you can't have variances in language. I mean, the language has to be tight, and it has to be the yeah. same. So everything's being ratified the same. Okay. That's, that that that's my understanding. But uh, but yeah, okay. we should have another Federal Reserve debate. The the fun debate is. As bad as the Federal Reserve, is the IMF worse? And do you need the Federal Reserve to beat the IMF?
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> debate that one sometime. That's a good one. Okay. So, and Speaking
4: it's, of de- uh, a debate, uh, we had uh, back in February, I guess uh, about three weeks ago, uh, we had your, one of your opponents, uh, Jack Heidel on – or Heidel, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I want to keep saying Heidel. Maybe it sounds for, more fancy. Uh, but <laughs> – I don't want. And one of the questions I asked uh, him was about the Mueller investigation. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, um, but I mean, what's your thoughts on the whole Mueller investigation? And, and I guess because of one of his an- his answers, uh, it kind of spurred this question: Is uh, I mean, do you trust uh, Mueller to have a, a an unbiased uh, investigation? And do you trust? But do you trust uh, Mueller in his investigation?
5: No, we're done. We got to move on. What a waste of time. Let's get to the next thing. I mean we need Pfizer review. I mean it that whole thing just it's just a waste of time, resources, mental energy, and public attention. I mean, it's just drives me crazy. I mean the real Russian problem, we know where it's at. It wasn't it wasn't there. So yeah, I mean not to change the subject, but I mean this is why I say make Republicans conservative again. Look, I like Jack, I respect Jack great career as a mathematician at UNO, but I say make Republicans conservative, and he looked through a lot of his issues. Um, and, again, let, let me honor him. I, he wants a balanced budget. I do too, but he believes no tax cuts. We need to get more revenue to the government. I'm about cutting spending. You know, climate change is a big issue of his time. I disagree. He's calling for gun control. I'm a Second Amendment guy. I mean, this is the Republican primary. So this tells you where maybe it gives you an understanding of my environment here in Nebraska. Our state legislators are, a lot of them are endorsing Fisher. They're playing with the club, but we were just ranked 49th out of 50 states for taxation. I mean, they can't control a buck. They spend way too much. They tax way too much. We're called the worst place to retire for seniors. I mean, we got school boards. We got property tax crisis because no one can control their spending at even school board levels. So a lot of when you hear make Republicans conservative again, how are you going to do that in D.C.? Part of what you need to hear is my state is lost on what conservative principles are. They're endorsing someone that sponsored Planned Parenthood four times. They're endorsing someone that spent nine hundred billion more. They're endorsing someone where the trajectory is going to thirty trillion from fifty trillion in national debt. They're endorsing each other, and we're 49 out of 50 in taxation. We're endorsing each other, and we're the worst place for seniors to retire. We're endorsing each other, and our property taxes is a crisis level. Our farmers are being suffocated. So part of I love my people here in Nebraska. I represent my state. So from your show at a national level and your concern, what am I bringing to D.C.? What am I bringing to D.C.? I'm with you. I'm bringing it to D.C. We're going to talk the Constitution. We're going to talk truth. We're going to make some major changes up there. But you also need to hear the half of my heart that loves my people here in Nebraska. And we've got a crisis. I need to help reform this party in this state to actually believe in fiscal restraint, to actually believe growing the economy, to actually believe that we're not going to pass a budget that funds Planned Parenthood because life is the foundation of what government's there to protect. So that's a little background you needed to hear is a lot of that message is speaking to my own people, like we need to reform ourselves first. We gotta fix our own heartbeat, our own internal problems as well, because we don't have convicted conservatives from a traditional public perception term, which I know you can make your comments on that, but we don't have those conservative values as people would relate to. And it's what our grandfathers created from the farm and we gotta get back there. I mean times change but hey, human yeah, nature, does not Go ahead. No, I, that was my that was my spiel.
4: And 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 as a um uh, and then I'll get to see if there's any specific uh any other comments you'd like you'd like to make and then we're gonna move into our our next topic, uh, which is Tillerson. Uh you're definitely welcome to uh, stay on that. You know, of course Tillerson's uh, been fired, like, you know, whatever. It's something that, you know, of course, the uh, left-wing media has been like, oh, my gosh,
1: chaos, chaos.
4: And it's like, you know, they've been actually talking about this for weeks. Wake up, guys um, and gals. Uh, and, of course, you know, he's just, he's just not in line, and he hasn't been for a long time with uh, Trump's agenda. Uh, Pompeo, he, he wouldn't be my first pick, and that's one of the things I kind of like to talk more about. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about the firing, this and that, but more about, you know, who would be folks that could be a better pick uh for the Secretary of Um you know, Secretary of Defense. Not Secretary of it was uh Secretary of State. I don't know why I keep saying Secretary of Defense. That's the second time I said it and I apologize. Uh Secretary of State. I mentioned the Secretary of Defense because uh the current Secretary of Defense uh is not uh for uh what you know what Trump's uh trying to do. Uh so but anyway um, we'll, when it, when it's, of another article is ringing tonight, so I apologize for that mix up later but anyways, as to my question and I believe at this point you 're a social and i didn 't read much up and I really like how you do your uh your videos you know have you on your videos for your uh your website and and folks I do here have here on blog Talk radio where you can access and see more of our guests tonight and his campaign uh, by going to and you i 've got a link to apply to your blog Talk radio. Uh, where you can go to www.watson1776.com. Uh, Dr. Torberto will be uh, bringing you in, uh, in for comments. And I don't know what I'm hearing in the background, but hey, I am hearing some uh, background talking. But anyway, uh, my, now my I'm, phone I'm phone presuming phone at this point you're also a social conservative. Is that is that correct?
1: All right.
5: Yeah, for the most part. But then people want to jump on, and, you know, I believe in 10th Amendment. I I think there's a lot of issues like – the federal government wasn't given power over and some of those issues cross into social conservatism. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a diehard social conservative, but do I expect my federal government to address all those issues? I don't.
4: Yeah. And my question st- uh, stems from that. And, and that, uh, and, and it's an end of life question and it's a new question that I've been, you know, bringing up the folks, uh, cause one of the things, at least I'm personally looking into, is cryogenics and one of the things that they're you know, pushing for, lobbying for, those in the field, uh, is you know one of the processes of cryogenically freezing someone is uh, that it's actually better because of the way cell breakdown is and things of that nature. Uh, it's actually better to do that while the person, before the person is being declared legally dead. And so my question is, if someone, let's say, they, and I've literally uh, seen someone die from cancer. I mean, they died right in front of my face. And I'll never, I'll never want to experience that. I mean, I'm hoping I never have to. And I'll stay with somebody and, and be there if I have to that ever arises again. But I mean, I literally see someone pass away uh, from from cancer, where that was, the, you know, they're in hospice and everything. But anyway, it's a horrible sight. I Hope no one's ever had to to see that. Uh, but anyway, is you know, when you get to that point in, in, in time, you know, one of the things that the the cryogenic uh, you know, is looking for is to be able to have the ability, and it's kind of much like those who, you know, are terminally ill where they decide that they can take a pill or something, uh, ending their life or something because they're in so much pain or things of that nature. This would be kind of a a spin on that or an aspect of that where someone would be, say, okay, I want to be able to say goodbye to my family and then have them do the process of chirogenics because what they would do is actually the process itself would kill you. Okay. And so that being said, I mean, would that be something that you would, you know, would be against, uh, allowing, you know, the different laws under state lossing advantage, but for your, you know, being a Senator, would that be something that you would vote, uh, for or against, uh, allow people to do that?
5: No, I, I don't like get the government getting involved with end of life questions. That's when humans get involved in that. I, I, I'm not for that, but you know, I feel for your pain. I, uh, just for the record, I, was in the room when my grandfather died of leukemia and uh, I saw him die and I was also around my other grandfather died of cancer his was painful so I've been around a, a, a real painful death that was hard to go through and I've been in the room for a peaceful death um, although he was struggling for oxygen but I don't know those, those are tough those are tough situations so I think the hard thing is not to come off as you're not sensitive to what people go through in those deals. I get it. But, uh, yeah, I don't think government can, can get involved in playing God. I don't, I don't think that's, that's the place.
4: Uh, would, you, would you allow someone to, to take those steps or would you vote for something that would say, no, you're not allowed to do it. And, so, and someone could be criminally, uh, criminally charged for uh, supplying that type of uh, process. Yeah, prior to well, them I'm being pro considered, pro considered pro politically pro dead for like dying from
5: cancer.
1: From the... I'm sorry? Yeah, well from
5: a from a survey standpoint, I'm pro life the whole nine yards. So I I don't I don't believe the government needs to be getting involved, nor do I think people should be making those autonomous decisions. So I think I think that's uh, uh, in Ro- God's hands, I really do. Uh, Robert,
3: yeah. just for clarification why you? Why would you do the – if the cryogenic method kills you anyway, why would someone do it?
4: Well, because the cryogenic – well, what cryogenics is meant to do – let's say you are dying for cancer. The premise behind cryogenics is, you know, sometime in, in the future, two things are going to be science, – science is going to be able to discover and do two things. One, it's going to be able to cure what – you know, cured what kills you, such as brain cancer – uh, leukemia, what have you okay? So that's the first premise The first premise is one day they'll find a cure And so what cryogenic does Is uh, it preserves The body by lowering the body Temperature so much uh, That it uh, stops decay Okay, it's not, and not on a cellular Level, that's what it's supposed to do
0: um, so
4: And so that, That's part one, is just, you know When they cure disease, second of course The process itself would kill you the end game, so to speak, is to bring you back, is actually revive your body uh, to have you live again, so to speak. Because right, now, you know, they state that things that once thought people were dead for, you know, you know, back in the 1800s or so, you know, you know, it's just called you know, clinical death. Could be different things depending on where you're at. Right now, clinical death is when the heart stops or something happens with you're know, considered brain dead. Uh, now, the process itself would kill somebody because one of the first things they do is they put an anticoagulant – well, they have to put an coagulant in uh, at this point because, you know, as soon as you pass away, your blood starts to coagulate and your cells start to implode, you know, very shortly after your you know your heart stops and the oxygen isn't being sent to those, these places. So those things happen. So in order to stop that, they have to decrease your body temperature, uh, you know, and get through the processes as fast as you can, but shortly after you die – the decay on the on the molecular level and the cellular level already begins, and so in order for them to have as much the least amount of uh, cellular and molecular damage, uh, for that it's actually better to do the process, uh, you know, prior to you know you know or as quickly after uh, clinical you know death, as well, which you know as a state with the heart stop and the blood not being supplied. Uh, you know, to the body and the cells and things of that nature.
1: But the, I, the, the purpose yeah, aim order, is to
4: bring you back.
5: Can I exercise my article six rights and take my political hat off and say, with all this talk of federal reserve controlling and election, manipulating and shootings and all this stuff. I mean, just say, I can't wait to go meet my savior. I really, <laughs> it's going to be great. So I don't know. Maybe that's the real hope is we, we got to get people to say, Hey, uh, there's something better after this.
3: Yeah, the question is if, if like many, I believe it that the soul leaves the body and goes to the next world, then when they did revive the body, there'd be nothing there except the physical. There'd be no consciousness, and I and I wonder if they've even tried it with a dog or a or a cat or something to cry, do the cryogenic thing and then wait a week and try to see if it would come back to life. It, a healthy one, a healthy one, to see if they, that would actually preserve the life of the cat for a week or not, you know. That that would be an interesting experiment if they haven't done it. But that doesn't mean, you know, that would still not answer the question, if there's a soul leaving the body, then it wouldn't be there 20 years from now or 50 years from now when you came back and so there'd be no consciousness. So, yeah, I, I had not really even thought about that much, except to hear the rumors that Ted Williams and Walt Disney had themselves cryogenically preserved, which I don't know if that's true or not.
4: Well, well, for instance, and I'll give you an example. Uh, there may not have been something that you know people were familiar with, uh, and uh, is one is remember there was a little girl in England uh, who was dying of cancer, and she said, you know, she liked the idea of maybe back someday. She felt like she died too young. And she actually went through the whole Supreme Court of in England uh-huh. to get the right to do it. Um, and it was a fight between her two parents. Her mom and dad was having a fight. I think the mom said it was okay with it. The dad said no or it might have been backwards. But be that as it may, is that uh, she won the court, court, the court case. Uh, the, 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 Supreme, the U.K. Supreme Court allowed her to do it and actually – she is uh interned, you know, frozen and interned in a facility in Michigan. Uh there's only four four such uh you know, chirogenic uh facilities in the world. Uh three in the United States, uh and I I know one's in uh Arizona, one's in Michigan. I, I don't know where the other one is. I think maybe California or um or in New York. Now I don't think it's New York, but I think one one's in Detroit, one's in uh Arizona. Uh, I think Phoenix, and then ones in uh, Russia, and the fourth one I don't know where the fourth one is. Uh, but anyway, uh-huh. so that that might be a case you might have heard on TV uh, that tells you know that tells you that people do it. Not a lot. I mean, the one in Michigan only currently has about 143 people in turn there. Uh, because yeah, as you brought up, Todd, the question is, um, you know, what? If, if you, remember, folks. I mean, most of the people who listen to the show. Uh, you know, or, you know, the religious store believe in an afterlife and things of that nature. But let me, uh, I'll point out two things. One is that uh, there aren't, not everyone believes in that. So, you know, folks who don't believe in in that type of afterlife don't believe anyway that there's going to be a a soul that's going to be sucked back into the body or or going away. However, on the other side is there are some believers, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, of, you know, Christian believers who believe that Your body does not – your soul pretty much – that's where the term, I think, rest in peace comes from because what they actually – and that's why they think it's so important to embalm your your body or preserve your body because there's many who believe that the soul still resides within the body. Here, see, we get off on tangents sometimes, Todd, on our show, but that's okay. Um I think we are offline one. What, what what they believe is is their body I mean their soul still resides within their body, even if they're ashes, I guess, until the end of days when, you know, God re uh reanimates, I guess, their body and then they're you know, that's when their soul goes to heaven or or they, the soul rejoins the body at the end of time or so that those who you know the, those who you know say, okay, well, but might believe that. Well, you know, my soul is still in my body anyway until the end of days, the end of time, or what have you, or when you know Christ comes back.
3: Yeah, you know, and then yeah, my body, is, you know. Are, yeah, there are some Christians that believe that way that you're sleeping in effect until uh, Christ re- um comes back, and then the souls, uh, something like that. Yeah, that some people believe that.
1: Hopefully.
5: Well, yeah. Well, from a political standpoint, I think people.
1: Well, Doctor Tolver, me. yeah, I mean, you
5: you've
4: got the doctors in theology. If you want to make, you know, comment on that, we certainly, we certainly welcome it. And uh, go ahead. And, and you know, Todd, of course, you're welcome as our, as our guest tonight. I know you got campaigning and stuff, so you know, you're welcome to stay, or if you want to stay on for
5: our other topics for this evening, you're certainly welcome. Um, no, I'll give it. Let's give it about five more minutes or ten more minutes here, and I'll hop off. But I think just for the sake of your listeners, I mean, if they're looking for me to give them choice in how they die, or the government to legalize that they can end their own life, probably won't do it. So there's your transparency, you know. Um, but <laughs> I appreciate what that. <laughs> what people believe and how they believe—that's their right, and respect that. But I'll be honest, cryo, you know, this whole topic. Probably isn't even on my top twenty-five list. To even talk about it when I in my work when I get there. Well, let's take it from <laughs> the that.
2: standpoint. State of in the state of Florida, they have eighteen hundred senior citizens put in confinement and put on hospice. They consider them to be incapacitated, and they put them through a drug transfusion of death in order for the state of Florida and Miriam, uh we actually were part of a lady that was done that she was uh 99 years old when they considered she was incompetent where she lived several years she was never incompetent and i traveled with her so when you look at the federal government and the state's intervention in the senior uh-huh. citizen then you have to cross that line and and look at your state and how they are in fact violating the rights of individuals and the care of the individuals. So that goes a really far direction. It's so funny. In 99, I owned an airplane sales company and I'm a retired master sergeant. All of a sudden, you know, I had no education and now I have a bachelor's, two masters, and a doctorate degree. I'm 75 and didn't get my doctorate degree until 2010. Happens to be one of my degrees is theology. So, under the terminology of theology, people that tell you they're Christians and their soul does not leave at that time really do not understand Christianity. So, it would be a foolish statement for one to say they're not one with God as they are here presently, and that they were one with God before time began, and they're one with God as they move so there is no separation under a true christian (laughs) theological basis so i'm just going to kind of leave that one there but i wanted to (laughs) try in the 101 year old lady and how the states are taking control and we florida had statues and after we filed the claim against the state we sent it to the president and the president reacted to it with changing and getting more involved in senior care. So it is an important issue.
4: Uh, two um, well, things, because I, I know he's got to go into two, 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 very quick questions. Cause I know, yeah, and Robert, then I uh, I'm to, after I get, I have,
3: a qu- I, I have one Jim? quick one for Todd. Yeah. I have one quick one for Todd too. When you're done, go ahead.
4: Okay, because it's got you said five ten minutes, so I want to make sure we respect the time frame. Uh, two things, yeah. and they're just you know a couple words. One is if Pompeo is, uh, you know, if he does put him forth uh, to be the Secretary of State. See, I think I got to write that down. One, if you were uh, Senate, would you vote for him? Two, if not, who would your pick be uh, to be the Secretary of State?
5: You know, I'll be honest. I've been on the campaign trail pretty hard here in the last 48 hours I, I i would have to do more research it's irresponsible for me to shoot from the cuff without doing a lot more research on the guy so i i, no, I don't sure feel so. like it's appropriate for me to say so right now i don't know enough about the guy and the guy's background um so i probably won't answer that tonight um nope fair enough but would there be someone who you would like
4: to see secretary of state though would
5: you feel comfortable on that or well, I mean, that's why I mean, what are my views? They're really different. Everyone, you know, I have a lot of Ron Paul fans, Rand Paul fans that follow me and they love me, but I'm not a sold out, I'm a non-interventionist if your country hasn't messed with our country before. But I'm a student of history and, you know, we have sections of the world that have always messed with America from since our founding. And so I think on some of those situations you have to be have an aggressive posture. So I you know, I'm looking for a person that's not um not eager for war, you know, doesn't start fights but ends them. (laughs) That type of attitude and um so you know, I'd have to meet with the people, talk about their background, what's their philosophies. I believe in the sovereignty of America, you know, I I still haven't heard a good answer. You know, we, we support the Kurds. We support NATO. NATO, Turkey's bombing the Kurds, and we just sit there. It's like we're in so many alliances, that they conflict with each other. So I think we need clarity in what we're behind, what we're standing for. I think uh, we talked through Foreign Commerce at the beginning of this telecast. We have so many ambassadorships open we we need to get those filled because we need to keep up good diplomatic relations but also we need to facilitate um you know, more bilateral trade agreements and, and conversations with these countries. So uh, you know, it's a it's a big job. I mean I, I was actually critical of Tillerson when he was hired. I said, You're preaching this, but you just hired Tillerson, you know, I've I've always been skeptical of oil and its involvement in foreign policy. Coming from Exxon Mobil, I was I was very cautious on that. Same with the Goldman Sachs guys in the administration. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I'd I kind of like thought that way about
4: Tillerson <laughs> myself. Go ahead. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I've never been so I, I, mean, I, I was
5: vocal about it from the start, and I, you know, so which you, which is crazy in today's world. You've got to be all in. I I like Trump, but you know, there's some things I'm like, look. You, this is what you said on the campaign trail. But I'm telling you, these guys you hired, they don't believe what you preached, especially on the trade, and we saw that last week. I go, how did you ever hire that guy when you believe this on trade? That's never going to work. And we saw that we saw that bear out. So I don't think a lot of his administrative – what, and that surprised me because I always thought Trump – what I admired about his background is he always put in the right people in place to have his pro- projects succeed, a lot of them, not all of them. And was pretty good with staff. Or in this case, I was like, I don't know what you're doing here and hiring some of these guys. They don't think like you, well, and they're I, not. They I, don't well, believe like you.
4: Well, I think uh, having uh, oh gosh, we even used to make fun of his name on the show. Gosh, he, he was his uh, chief of staff. I think the first bad pick was his chief of staff, and I think after that, um, you know, he he recommended. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. I remember his face, but I can't remember his name. But but R- you yeah Rince pubis I mean yeah, pubis. Yeah. What was that and about? then uh <laughs> Priebus, that's it, um, that's yeah, horrible. we used to make fun of his name, but I never really liked him, but
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so, I think yeah,
4: I mean, I think he probably advised Trump really wrong in a lot of a lot of things, yeah, Robert, when I heard him he talk Robert, tough on Syria,
5: and I go, well, we're gonna be in Syria knowing these guys, or we talked, hey, we're about protectionist trade but you're bringing in the Goldman Sachs guys. And of course we saw that didn't work out because I think they thought they could change him, but he came back. So, you know, there's a lot of philosophical disagreement between his staff and him that I think has kind of been coming out in the wash and I think could have been prevented with more diligent hires and understanding the philosophical values from the start. But, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of my opinion, but, uh, Hey, I didn't get my comment in on that. Uh, Life thing. I think a lot of these issues you're talking about, which I've always found interesting, is the conflict between natural law and civil law. And I thought there's some interesting quotes from the Nuremberg trials on that. And I think I think there is some that that's never even brought up. Maybe that's an original idea. But we've got to revisit what natural law said, and then we have a lot of civil laws in conflict with it. And that's a whole other subject for another night. But uh, well. And
4: that would definitely be an interesting one. I know Jim had something real quick he wanted to do, and then I you've got to go. So go ahead, Jim.
3: Yeah, I I, I am a big 10th Amendment guy too, and I you know 80 percent of the time or 90 percent agree with Rand Paul and uh, Ron Paul. Uh, but Howard Phillips, the founder of the Constitution Party, who is now dead, said that on the on the life issue, abortion and euthanasia, uh, that the uh, we should have a The Constitution demands that we not deprive people of life without due process of the law. That's in the Fifth Amendment.
5: Amendment.
3: Ron Paul said – yeah, 14th too. Ron Paul said if the states passed a human life amendment establishing personhood for conception until natural death, he would sign it. All that Roe v. Wade did was say, oh, between zero and nine months, the unborn baby's not a person. That's how they did that. So Howard Phillips thought that we were required by the Fifth Amendment to pass a human life amendment and make you know, the sanctity of life, as long as they haven't killed somebody and forfeited their life or they could get capital punishment maybe, um, as long as they haven't forfeited their right to life by killing someone else, the, the constitutional amendment would protect uh, the personhood of all human life from conception to natural death. And I've always felt that the Tenth Amendment is superseded there by the Fifth uh, amendment, and by the fact that we got to prevent murder in our society, yep. would you would you be for a constitutional amendment on the life issue, or or would you think the Tenth yeah, Amendment no, would
5: override? No, you and I see eye to eye on that. I I believe I I've always yep. been a Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment guy. And look, you the the amendments in the Bill of Rights are superior to these state laws because it's yeah. in there. But if it's not right. in there, then it's Tenth Amendment, right? So, you know, Ninth Amendment rights, 10th Amendment power. So, yeah, 5th and 14th Amendment is very clear to me, and and that's the argument I make. Um, I'm called – I'm not – actually, more people believe in what I'm saying than than not, but if you're in the establishment says I'm too extreme because I've made a pledge I will vote no on any budget that funds Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And they've said, well, we've got to keep the government open. I said, You don't understand. If you believe you can't violate the Constitution, that's the oath you take. I don't see how you can even vote yes on that budget because that money is going to go to an organization that's going to deprive life, and that's government-depriving life. You can't do it. Right,
3: right. So so, so what I I think morally
5: and spiritually and religiously on the abortion issue, it's a Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment issue, and we can't do it.
3: Well, I would vote for you if I was there, and I'll try to send you – a small donation. I say small because that's the
5: only kind of donation I can send these days. <laughs> but, uh,
3: you got win web-
5: in the game, and I like it.
3: What's your website?
5: It's watson1776.com. Y- y- can we donate on the website? Yep, you can. There it's... Oh, trust me, okay. it's not hard, Jim. We make it easy for you. Good,
4: good, good. <laughs> that's that, oh, that's yeah. what I need. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've, I've seen it on, yeah, it's on the website. I've seen it. And also, Jim, I've got – a link here on Blog Talk Radio uh, to the page here at uh, www.watson1776.com.
3: Okay, well, thanks for having Todd Watson on. Todd, thank you very much.
5: Okay. Yeah, it was a fun night. Appreciate you uh, inviting me, and good luck to your show. And I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you
4: very much, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again, perhaps uh, on the campaign. Hey, maybe even for a, a general election, which would be a lot of fun. Uh, as well it'd be great to see yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on uh, on the campaign uh, and so now real quick because I'll be honest I can't remember off the top of my head when is your primary Todd
5: it's May 15th May 15th and uh, okay yeah, I knew this in April for or our May, tangent so kind of... topics our tangent topics next time we can talk Husker football finally beating your Buckeyes because we got a good coach again so <laughs>
4: <laughs> and you know what? That's fine because I probably would vote for yours more than mine. I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big uh, college football guy. I could, to be honest, I could care less. I'm more of, a, I'm a high school. So we're we're big on, on where my neighborhood on on high school football. Uh, so if I, if I had my choice between watching college, uh, professional or high school football, I'd watch high school.
5: <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I'm a big Bengals fan, and. I was yelling at, oh. our, at at our team. I say our team. and I said, "What the heck are you doing? Get rid of Burkhead. You guys should start that guy over a hill all day long, but they couldn't figure it hey, out." That that proves that you
3: have the fortitude to be a good public <laughs> servant. If you're still rooting for the Bengals.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: with that's, all through, that's true.
1: With, with all the well, and they keep true. the same coach. Uh, I don't get that. I mean,
4: you really Marvin Lewis for another 2 years?
5: Oh, uh, I actually I think I think Marvin's Actually, pretty good. It's the owner that's got to learn to actually re-sign all pros. He lets every all-pro walk. Got to pay. Some yeah, money. yeah. Well, he's more about business. He's more about making money. He could
4: care less about the fans you know or
3: losing, anything else. I mean, he's sports. he's a
4: great business guy, making money for people. But he doesn't know squ- squat about football. He's nothing like his father.
3: My no, my brother Tom, no. who's, who's a lawyer, adamantly defends Paul Brown as wanting to win. But I agree with you, Robert. I, I don't care what he intends. It, he exudes business, not uh, desiring to win. You know, like the Reds owners to exude that they want to win no matter what, even though they haven't been doing it. But Paul Brown just exudes to me business. <laughs> yeah. How are you well, in the with, Reds? With I mean, they're the, the best MLB.
4: minor league team in the MLB.
5: Uh huh. <laughs> What'd you say, Todd?
0: <laughs>
5: I said. I mean, he let. Whitworth, I mean, how you let Whitworth walk was just beyond me. That was crazy. Um, it. I mean, Nelson. I could just so many All Pros. Zeidler. uh just it's a revolving door. When you get a good guy and you got good cohesiveness in your team, you got to commit to it.
4: Yeah, I think. That, anyway. and, the, and the thing is, that's just Cincinnati sports and the Reds. Uh, and I'm not a big sports guy. I mean, I'll admit that. Uh, but the Reds are the same. But when they built that new stadium a few years ago or so, I, I mean, they built it for an entertainment com- – I don't know if you've ever been there, Todd, but they built it as an entertainment complex. People go there and really not – they really don't go there to see a baseball game. They go there to be entertained because there's a lot of stuff for kids to do. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of non-baseball – well, it's baseball-related. But, I mean, they got uh, – where people play – there's a band playing and they got where kids can hit a baseball – you know, they got all this entertainment stuff going on during the game. So people are like, hey, I'm, I'm not really going to go, go to the game. I'm going to, you know, eat food and and, and hang out here. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, a baseball game broke out at the entertainment complex today.
5: Yeah, well, I could care less about the Reds. I have gone to Paul Brown for a couple games, and I've, I like the Bengals, but that's about it. I'd like to go see the tennis there sometime. You guys got great golfing. Can I tell you, for cheap? You got great golfing for cheap, and got good food. You guys got to play that up. You guys have really cheap golfing on good courses.
6: <laughs>
5: okay.
4: Huh. Yeah. If you want a good laugh, golf with me, said so Todd. If you want to say, you know what, I'm going to be in Cincinnati, I'm going me. to golf, but I really want to laugh too. You know what? Just uh, give me a call or email and say, Robert, you want to come golfing? Now you'll you'll be exhausted by the time you finish 18 holes because you'll be waiting for me. so long. Either that, or extremely drunk if you like to drink beer because i i think my last time i golfed i had stroke like 200 or something and
5: <laughs> i'm horrible at golf <laughs> and I'll join the club i love it and i still stink So oh. well i enjoyed the time guys you guys have a good night it's a nice, okay. Uh you too i appreciate it we'll, we'll talk again certainly
4: i appreciate it um and okay. yeah also well if you're in a um if you're in a generous mood i'm doing uh i'm I do, i'm doing a little fundraiser myself jim i uh I'm looking to send my daughter to Italy <laughs> in 2019. Um, yeah, she's actually got an opportunity to go to uh, to Vatican City uh, and, you know, go see uh, St. Bilsa, or uh, what's that, uh, uh, the Basilica, and, uh, you know, I've got it on there. It's been a long day, but okay. Uh, so she's got a shot, and i got a, a link there uh, on, on the website, the, the Bard's Lodge Little Talk website on the give page. Uh, you, a, I go exactly. you know she goes to Catholic school too. So you can you imagine trying to pay for both?
3: Uh, yeah. Are Are you on a go? Are you doing GoFundMe or are you just doing your own?
4: Actually, it, it actually, and this is one of the benefits is it goes straight to the tour, so I don't even see it. It doesn't even go into like account that I set up.
1: It goes straight I to see. the.
4: It's um. It's uh. EF Tours. Uh. Educational. Yeah. It's, uh Educational. Uh. Some of the tours. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, it don't even go, I mean, I don't even see it. I don't even see it. It just goes straight to the touring place. And so there's no yeah. like middle, middle man, middle woman, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's no, uh, you know, I, I didn't send up a set fund me to so where I transfer or, you know, any yeah. of the funds from my account to, to pay that just goes straight to them.
3: I see. Okay.
4: Yeah. Which is pretty convenient. And then more, you know, I, I I, can, I think it's a great idea. Because I know there's some people out there like, well, I'm not going to give to, you know, how do I know you're using the money for that? Well, because I don't see it. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah,
4: <laughs> I don't see it, I, you know, I don't see it. And uh, no, I'm probably going to do some like car washes and, and, and this and that, but um, you know, the, to curtail things. But it's a little cold, as you know, here in Cincinnati. It may even still hey, be guys, cold I'm there getting, in Nebraska the uh, for for doing car washes and stuff. So <laughs> I got a bail here, but uh, good talking to you guys. We'll catch you later. Oh. Oh, you too, Todd. Thank you very much. You have a good night. Well, I hope to talk again. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, bye-bye. Oh, I, I thought I thought he, he he was gone, but I was glad uh, he's still there. I hope to talk to him again. Uh, if it was between himself and the other guy that we had on for Nebraska, you know, I'd be more likely to vote for him, certainly. Um, and so, yeah, but since I brought it up, uh, yeah, folks can, if uh, you'd like to help the host out, because here uh, I don't – make any money from doing the show uh i actually pay to do this show <laughs> so every month and for my website so um you know to try to provide a grassroots voice for folks uh so i thought eh, what the heck you know i've been doing this for five years you know perhaps someone's uh, feeling generous and wants to you know help me get send her to uh you know to, to italy you know as i said she, you know now you know everyone here on the you know the at least uh people listen a lot know that I'm not a uh Catholic myself you know um you know and at least you know practicing anything of like that my but my daughter is even the point where she lectures me sometimes on it um but you know it is it would be a thrill for her to go' cause she you know like they' be able to see those historical things i mean there's other historical things she could see. Cause I mean she she'd be there for it's a it's a, like a nine day ten day uh trip for um two thousand nineteen um so you yeah, know You know, I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to put that up there. I I, I never do that. I never, you know, uh, I've tried to monetize anything. Uh, So I thought, well, why not? Um, Because, you know, I'd really like uh, for her to be able to go. I think it's a great opportunity. It's actually to a new school. Uh, The school that she went to, as you probably know, Jim, uh, being in the area that Mercy uh, is merging with Macaulay. uh, But we decided against that because I actually myself and a group tried to save the school. I even talked to people about doing fundraising to raise money for the school. But the Sisters of Mercy wouldn't even talk to us. I mean, they wouldn't even sit at the table with us to try to save the school. I mean, they, they, they knew, already knew that, uh, that, they going to, um, that they were going to merge the schools. And, and even when they were handing me a sign that said Mercy Graduate 2020, they had the full knowledge that, yeah, your daughter's not going to be graduating from Mercy. If she graduates from Mercy, you will be Mercy McCauley. You know, it's not going to be that. So I kind of feel like they lied to us, you know, and then they wouldn't even work with us uh, to do that. And so it was a a painstaking uh, decision on on where to send my daughter uh, because she, um, all her friends was kind of scattered through all different schools, both public and private uh, Catholic. You know, that's what I mean by private Catholic schools. And then I did want to keep my daughter, you know, because she is Catholic. I did not want to – be able to maintain that for her, uh, to go to a Catholic school. Uh, now she, I mean, in, in the, the area I live in, I, I mean, they have good public schools here. I mean, there's some that you even have to test into that she could have got, you know, gone to, uh, but I thought, well, you know, she, still good for her to go in all good, all girl school. She, as I said, she's Catholic. So sending her to a Catholic school, of course, there's tuition involved and, and quite a lot, uh, <laughs> of that. So, you know, I thought, well, you know, try to do that and, you know, send her on the trip uh, would definitely be, you know, very difficult. And so I thought, you know, I, you know, people who campaign, just like our friend uh, Todd, uh, you know, they they campaign and they do, you know, people donate to their campaign. So I thought, well, think of this kind of like a, a – because I don't like asking money for anybody, and, you know, people who know me know that. Um, I mean, I grew up uh, – I wouldn't say poor, but I grew up in a, you know, middle, middle, lower middle – income, you know, family, and, you know, we didn't have a lot growing up, and everything I have, it's because I worked for it, um, I mean, heck, I paid my own way through high school, I went to the local, uh, you know, Catholic school here, um, in, in where I lived, and so, you know, I, I don't, normally don't do it, but this time around, I said, you know what, uh, try to, where I could feel better about it, to be honest, I think I'm thinking of it as a as a political campaign of sorts. I'm campaigning, I'm campaigning for my daughter to be able to go to, you know, help, help help get her to go to Italy. So I just kind of put myself in that mindset. So to be honest, don't feel bad about actually trying to do a, a fundraiser for it. But anyway, be that as it may, um, you know, since we brought up donations uh, to website, I thought that'd be a good segue to uh, to that as well. But I do want to get back to our topics. Uh, we got ten minutes before uh, we go into what we call Bard's Logic After Dark, which is kind of the final hour. Uh, it's not live, uh, so don't let your phones drop or you won't be able to call back in. And we definitely want to hear uh, talk about, uh, in that hour, um, we want to talk about uh, her comments in India and how that very well may, in, in my opinion, hope, in my, hopefully so, uh, help uh, or hurt. I should say, uh, the Democrats of 2018 because I am getting a little worried uh, seeing these Democrats. Because think about it, folks out there, is that if the Republic I mean, if the Democrats – and you know me, I'm a third-party guy, but if the Democrats do take back the House, then let me tell you something. You're going to see, in my opinion, you're going to see Trump's uh, populist agenda – and I, I, see, I see it more of a populist than Republican agenda uh, – not being seen, and also that – there, there could be even increased that reality of Trump actually getting impeached uh, for whatever reason that they'll create or concoct uh, to do that. But anyway, back to our uh, topic of Tillerson and Pompeo, uh, two things, and, you know, uh, Doug, uh, Dr. Tolbert, if you'd like to uh, chime in, at least a would like to, because I know you've got to go in a little bit, so we'll have you go first um, if you if you, if you you want, uh, is do you think that he'd be a good pick for Secretary of State or if there'd be someone else that you'd like uh, to see have the position? The so Dr. Tolbert first. Yeah. We'll bring it over to you. So if you'd like uh, to chime in on that, if not, uh, I definitely want to hear uh, both yours and uh, Jim's uh, opinions on that. Yeah,
2: haven't haven't said that. I I know you know this, but my resume is sitting on the desk uh, as requesting that I become the next Secretary of the State, Robert. So if you ask me who should be the next Secretary of State, it should not be a should Democrat be you. or Republican. It should be a man of educational military background that has traveled through Vietnam and Europe and all the other countries that understands the entire thing. And I don't believe and understands the Constitution. So personally, I think I should be the next Secretary of State. Getting back to uh, Golden Sachs a second, people that don't realize it, Venezuela is still being controlled by that particular group of Individuals and it is failing as a country Uh, It is a real problem Uh, We also filed petitions with the president about Puerto Rico becoming the 51st state Before it becomes another Venezuela So I'm just going to drop it right there, Robert
4: No, no, I appreciate it We've definitely talked about that, uh, you know, on on subsequent uh, Previous, I should say not subsequent (laughs) On previous shows uh, about that and you don't really hear much about it. It, it seemed like people talked about oh, maybe them being the first day when the whole hurricane thing start, uh, went through some some months ago but you don't really hear about that much but, um, but back to uh, the Tillerson and uh, Pompeo. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on all that uh, Jim?
3: Uh, I would back Dr. Tolbert. <laughs> I'll tell you I'm not in favor of uh, was not in favor of Tillerson although I don't think he's the worst guy in the world but he's pretty much an internationalist seemed like he had some of that good, innate, uh, traditional Texan in him. But uh, he was an internationalist, and I I don't back this uh, – his name is Pompeo, is it? Pompeo. Yeah, he's the uh, – yeah, I think he's current director of the CIA right now. Yeah, he's That's just right. like a right. I, don't, I don't say that he meant to be that way, but he's become a traditional – Swamp thing, a traditional deep state guy who buys all the uh, every false flag that ever happened. He swallows. He believes. I think he believes we need to torture. Uh, I, I, he's just a congressman who, as soon as I heard of him and Ray, who W R A Y, who Trump put ahead of the uh, FBI, I think. Um, I said these. You know, these guys have been in Congress for years, and I never heard of them. That means that, and I'm watching to see who's doing anything unusual. Uh, so, I, I believe they they're just normal swamp things, unless they show themselves to be different. Uh, a guy, for instance, Congressman Massey, who's across the border here in Kentucky, east of us, uh, he has distinguished himself. Which already. I still
4: would like to get on the show, but I haven't heard from. I, I mean, I haven't reached out for a while, but still would like to have him on. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I, I would like to have him on too. Um, here to get him on. So, anyway, in his business life, he kept bringing in his enemies to try to make him friends, which in business often worked. But it's not going to work here because he's in a spiritual battle between the forces of evil, namely those behind the shadow government, and trying to save the American Republic. So, I, I think he may be waking up to that, that he's been given a lot of be- bum steers. Because the people in the Council on Foreign Relations and this one and that one, they all, uh, you know, they're all going to recommend other people who basically want to get back to business as usual like it was under the Bushes and Clintons, you know. And uh, Clintons, Bush, and Obama, they want to get back to, even Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, I believe, want to get back to business as usual. So, uh, yeah, I would... Oh, yeah, I, certainly. I, I personally, if I were... Rand, if I were up there, I would vote like Rand Paul against both of them, and say get some. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to Rand Paul for 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 one of these positions, you know. But that would take away, as, as uh, Todd said, probably our best senator. Uh, even though I don't agree with him on everything, but he's the only senator that I think that's in there now that they really fear. Um, the 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 ruling elite fears. They like fear Trump. They fear Rand Paul. And they would have greatly feared Judge Moore. Had he not been, I think, computer frauded out of the election.
4: You know, I wish more people would believe that computer, into the computer fraud stuff. I think a lot of people just think it's conspiracy theory. I hope our guest didn't, but, you know, we'll, we'll see as Tom and Shell. Well, I mean, um,
3: I, I, it sounds like he was somewhat aware of it when he said he knew that ESNS was headquartered in Omaha, Nebraska, but verifiedvoting.org, anyone can go and see that these companies are counting 96% of the counties and that should at least send off the alarm bells that there's too much of a concentration of power in those three companies you know i don't know why people don't see it right off the bat when they see that they make the election officials sign that no one's allowed to look at their program that tells the computers what to do so i don't i never have understood why people didn't immediately see that's a potential problem uh, but i believe it's also a literal conspiracy if a bit of an open one of these three companies and the five networks conspiring to control who gets elected in key elections, as long as they can make it believable. It has to be believable. And I think that's why they let Trump stand because they were afraid too many people were going to doubt it. If Hillary got in, that's my guess anyway, I don't have any inside information, but uh, they, but then again, what I think what they're trying to do is make Trump, Bring him into disgrace, make all the Trump people that voted for him feel like, oh, we shouldn't. Have, that wasn't a good thing. That's what they hope to do. I don't think they're succeeding, but they, they've been screaming for Trump's impeachment since the day he got elected. Almost, you know.
4: And Dr. Tolbert had to go, so we definitely thank uh, Dr. Tolbert. Uh, and so, folks, we do see that there's about uh, just a few minutes left uh, of the live portion. So if you are out there. Uh, and you haven't called in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, if you'd like to get in, just push the 1 on the number dial, and I'll get you on. Uh, we do have uh, just about another hour left, a little less, because we close outing things of that nature. Um, so definitely uh, don't let your uh, phones drop, because if you do, you will unfortunately not be able to uh, call back in um, and so, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, they they take it seriously. I don't know a lot of people do. Is and it's a shame because you vote and you think, well, did it really matter? I mean, did it did it really happen? I mean, because did they just change it so that you know somebody else can get can uh, get voted in? And I think they just try to make it so sneaky. And I think they in the news is what they do is you know they talk they're already talking about this blue wave and they talk about oh well the pendulum always swings you know because you know it's all it's kind of historical that. You know, a, a president you know loses a lot of seats in the house because the the, the people want a divided government. I, I really don't know if that's not, if that's true. And the reason I why either. I don't think that's true that people don't really want a divided government is, but you know, when I mean divided parties, is because nothing ever gets done. And what's one of the things people bitch about? No, things uh, yeah. not getting done. I was talking about the yeah, same things believe. and nothing ever getting resolved.
3: I, I agree with you. I don't believe it. I do not believe that. I think people want to see the Trump agenda done again. By the forensics, we could see it was a thousand to one Trump signs in the country areas. It was a uh, hundred to one in the cities, except in like Clifton, liberal communities that might be uh, Hillary might have had a slight edge in signs. The crowd sizes were incredible for Trump, nothing for Hillary. I, I believe Trump won by, as I've said before on this show, ten million votes. But yeah, the 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 but they then made it look like, oh, not only did he he lose he lost the popular vote, which we now know from what's coming out in Texas and Pennsylvania, that all these illegal aliens are voting with their driver's license. You know, so that's come out public in the last month that there's uh, thousands of people uncovered in Pennsylvania that were voting with a driver's license who weren't citizens. So, you know, the whole thing is. Uh, yeah, the, the whole idea is we don't know for sure what's happening, and that's why we got to get back to the open count. And if the Republicans and Trump do not make this an issue, then I think they will lose the House by computer fraud because all over the media, they're, oh, blue wave, blue wave. This is right. and a bunch of baloney. The Democrats have, you know, they sat on their hands when Trump introduced that kid that inspired the. Flags to be put on forty thousand veterans' graves. They sat on their hands because they didn't have it pre-ordained what they were going to do because they didn't know all the guests that he was going to introduce. And uh, if I was the Republicans, I would show that picture and show the guy running for Congress. The Democrats sat down when this guy, kid that you know, got the flags on the veterans' graves was announced. They are, as Trump said, it's like they don't they don't love What he said, they, it's like they dislike America or something. That's what I would drive home because they do. I think the Democratic leadership and anybody that follows, they do not like America. They want a a transformed communistic type country at the top, and then all these dummy Democrats down the line go along with it pretty much.
4: Yeah, and they could be the they could be the oligarchy, which they've pretty much positioned themselves anyway. Because the people, yeah. and, and, you know the people, I guess, keep voting them in. But I mean, uh, you know, who knows how long? You know, if, if the fraud has been going on, how long it has been? Uh, how long has it been where our votes really haven't been, have been true uh, to what really what the what the results really are? And, and back to my point is my point is, you know, I don't. I mean, I really don't think the people, you know. Oh, this is this always happens. Well, I, I don't think so. I don't think that's what the people really want. Um, right. And, and I think that in order to we're, we're going to need those signs again, Jim. I think we're going to need once we get to the general election, we're going to need all these Republican signs out so that, <clears throat> as you pointed out, there could be a visual. I mean, a visual where people could go out of their homes and actually visually see. hey, and then if it don't turn out that way, they'd be like, hey, wait a minute. What the hell is going – yeah. Well, yeah, we're officially in Bar's logic after dark, so like, you know, it's like what the hell is going on uh, because visually they're not voting for the Democrats. Uh,
3: I, yeah, do, you think I, and, do you think it uh, can happen? I mean we can have that wave again? I, I don't know because Trump isn't running, but if they will – if the, these people we mentioned earlier in the show, including Trump, will demand the open count, uh, then, then we will – perhaps prevent them from daring to do it. But if they don't bring up the, if they accept all these elections like this one yesterday, as honestly counted, they're setting themselves up to get cheated because it's since 1988, 30 years ago now that we've had uh, the system set up so that except for part of New Hampshire and maybe, maybe a few other small towns in Vermont and West Texas, uh, we got a hundred percent, easily rigged secret computer counts, and no way to get at the ballots in a timely manner. Usually not, you can never get at them. So that is a, such a major problem. It is, in my opinion, the major problem. And if they would correct that or, or highlight it, that would be all that Trump would have to do. I think to gain seats in the house and the Senate, if they don't do it, I don't think whatever else they do is going to stop them from getting cheated, losing the house and maybe losing the Senate.
1: And thought, let me go ahead. And we got uh
4: me. we're definitely going to continue on this vein because uh we're going to be talking about hopefully this audio I'm going to play are t- two audios or they're they're both kind of short. One's only a little bit over uh, uh a minute, one's about 4 minutes, but um we're going to get you and uh Kelly uh on the line to the and, but we're going to talk about, you know, we're hopefully these comments uh, Hillary's made in Italy, not Italy, I'm stuck on Italy now. That did that fundraising thing for my daughter for her trip to go there. But uh, when she was in India, when uh, she was going to India, uh, some of the comments she said. But we'll be playing those shortly, so stay on, folks, to hear that. So let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight?
6: Oh, I'm pretty good. Sorry, I showed up late. I Well, I had a spiritual experience. I was out in the woods gold mining. And uh, earlier today I was looking for a rock bar and in my spiritual journey I had to check out three different stores for the different prices And finally, finally I found the rock bar and I called it All a rock bar
4: Oh my gosh
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: Anyway How's it going, Kelly? Um, yeah, so hey Jim uh, Good to hear your voice on the show here Hi Kelly and, uh, Hey, yeah Um I don't know if you've talked about uh, that just, you know, about 10 minutes ago showed up, but Jeff Sessions, attorney general, is suing California for what? For being a sanctuary state. You know, let's just let the illegals in, and the way it's getting set up is uh, if you have a driver's license, you can vote. Oh, wait a minute. How many years ago did we allow the illegals to have driver's license? Well, that was many years ago. And then all of a sudden, just, you know, stroke of a pen, they can vote. I'm like, what? So the the sanctuary state, I mean, it's gone so ridiculous that in California that if you report an illegal alien, like, say, you have a business and your competitors hiring illegal aliens and you can't compete, what are you going to do? You're going to call ICE and have the feds come in. Well, if you do that, it's a crime, according to California law. Wait a minute. If you cooperate with the feds, what you're supposed to do is called misprision of felony. That is uh, an actual statute, Title 18 the United States Code, that if you know of a crime going on, you do not report it. It's called a misprision of felony.
3: Uh, Kelly, so, how do you spell misprison? I hear that word. I never know how to spell it. How do you spell misprison? It's
6: uh, pretty much like it sounds, M-I-S prison or misprision got- of felony.
3: Is P R I
6: S I O N? Um, um, just, just if you Google it in, if you Google it, it'll spell it for you. But Miss Prison of Felony, I think it's uh, Title 18. It's in the first section. Um, okay. So. Okay. Yeah. So, so in other words. If you want to report illegal aliens, theoretically, and you don't, you're a criminal. If you do, you're a criminal. (laughs) So, you know, one's a federal crime, the other's a state crime. And so, you know, you're anyway. So, Sessions is going to sue California for being um, a sanctuary state. Of course, for San Francisco, they're already a sanctuary city. That's where that illegal just happened to kill somebody on a dock, but that's another story. So then um, we, we've got, uh, you know, I'm hearing some reports from a new a voters group, and Jim will have to tell you about that later. I um, can't quite remember the name, but they are, they are gearing up poll observations. Now, this isn't uh, exit polls. This is poll observation. Now, what my hope is that they'll do, because there's reports of, from this one lady I talked to in the group, there's reports of the illegals voting five times. And the unions and other Democrats get them on buses. I mean, again, these are reports, and they'll expose it if it's happening. But basically, they bus them from precinct to precinct to precinct, and they probably pay them 50 bucks or 20 bucks a vote, whatever. And so <clears throat> what, they're, what I'm hoping they'll do, <clears throat> what I'm hoping that they'll do is people will stand outside the precincts With cameras, with obviously their cell phones, as people are walking in, start taking pictures of likely suspects. Okay, fine. Those pictures go to a central uh, station where they have uh, software and a whole bunch of screens and a whole bunch of monitors, people monitors, all right? And so the pictures are coming in from the observers all over, and uh, pretty soon, you know, pictures are showing up on, on the big screens, multiple big screens, and then there's facial recognition software that the casinos have. I hope they have that technology. And all of a sudden on on the TV, a big highlight would happen. You know, like, bing, bing, this person. He's been uh, shot at three different precincts on camera. Three times he's been uh, showing up. So follow him in, call the cops. And it would be interesting to see just to get a few of them, because when you get a few of them, uh, pretty soon they're going to squeal like a stuck pig and then they'll expose the whole racket. So it's it's really frightening and uh, some citizens are lining up to do this doing poll observing and I, I thought that's a pretty smart. And by the way, this group, and I'm sorry I don't have the name right now, um, they got some uh, high power attorneys, et cetera, et cetera, to try to, uh, to ferret this out and make it happen, uh, the exposure that is. So that's kind of news from California, which, you know, we keep wondering why we're Democrat when we're in a highly agricultural state and the environmentalists keep trying to shut down agriculture. How does this keep happening? How does Democrats keep getting in power? Well, yeah, we might find out. So I guess that's kind of a short intro from California. And I turn it back to you, Robert, and Jim. Well,
4: um, go ahead, Jim. And then I got some audio to play. Um as I stated earlier, uh perhaps it would kinda help us out uh and you know, where some words that uh, Hillary's had in India uh might very well uh maybe help out the <laughs> help out the Republicans. Uh when I think this would be a, a part of the uh com- their commercials. But first before I do that, uh is there any uh any comments on that you want to
1: make?
3: I would just say that people can really understand the kind of fraud that Kelly was talking about. So they really understand it right away, people voting twice or people that aren't citizens using a driver's license. So that's valuable to open people's minds that we got fraud. They do have a much harder time uh, grasping the, the, the boldness of the computer fraud scam and the high level it's at. But, so that, I, I noticed that people immediately understand the type of fraud that that poll watcher group is going to be fi- uh, trying to find.
4: So let's go ahead and I'm going to play, uh, play the first one. Uh, this one, I don't think is going to be as, might not be as big of a, a hit as the second one. So we'll kind of whet your appetites for that. But I will keep the, the phones, uh, the mics on when I play the audio. So let's also make sure we keep the thing, uh, you know, the, the background uh, stuff down. But here's the first Trump. one.
2: It seems to be kind of a bromance. A bromance, bro-man.
0: yeah. yes. A bromance.
2: What's your take on it?
0: Well... Uh, Trump does have quite an affinity for dictators um, he 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 really likes their authoritarian posturing and behavior The other day when he heard that Xi Jinping was going to abolish term limits, he kind of <laughs> you know wistfully said, "Well, maybe we will do that someday in our country um, so he does have this pre existing uh Of favorability toward uh, these uh, dictators. I think it's more than that, though, with Putin and Russia.
1: Do they have something on him?
0: Uh, Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Follow the the money.
1: uh, The other thing is that President Obama knew about Russian interference while during the campaign. Why did he not talk about it? He could bring it out to the open. It would have changed the whole narrative conversation. Was that a mistake?
0: Well, look, I wish, that, I wish he could have found a way to talk about it, but I understand some of the constraints that he was up against. Um, in, the, in the American Congress, there's what's called the Gang of Eight. It's a colloquial term describing the Republican and Democratic leaders of both the House and the Senate as well as the chairs and ranking members of the two intelligence uh, communities, uh, committees. And so starting in August, intelligence professionals went to the Gang of Eight, which includes Mitch McConnell and Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi and Paul Ryan, and basically said, we have uh, a great concern because we are seeing a lot of evidence of Russian interference in the election. They'd already found that Russia was probing into over 20 of our voter registration electoral systems in 20 states, probably more. So they were upset about this finding, and so they went and briefed the leaders of Congress, and nothing happened. And what the best reporting says is that... um, The White House wanted a bipartisan agreement to talk about it because they didn't want it to look like it was just a political uh, statement, and McConnell would not agree. So Harry Reid, and I have this in my book, Harry Reid starts writing to Comey saying, why don't you tell everybody everything? Because Comey had been one of the briefers, and Harry knew that they'd opened an investigation into uh, Russian counterintelligence operations against our election. But I think at the end, the president thought I was going to win, uh, as did everybody, (laughs) right? And I think he was worried about saying something that McConnell and Republicans would attack. So he thought, okay, we'll deal with it after the election, and after the election, I wasn't there to deal with it. So they put together uh, a comprehensive report, which they issued in... uh, Early January of uh, 2017, laying all this out, and then since then, because of the investigation, In we know much more. he could
2: have said something. What? In retrospect, do you, you think, as the president of the United States, he could have hinted at something like this? It would have changed the.
0: Well, world. I, I mean, obviously. I, it, I think that might have uh, might have helped, but it it was complicated, and I you know I don't want to. You
1: didn't speak to President Obama about it. Or?
0: Well, I mean, it, it, I didn't know it was going on.
1: Okay. More so I had
0: that. I had no re, I had no basis for knowing. I right. wasn't at that point.
4: And uh, what, one of the things I found interesting about that is, you know, basically at least it sounded like the should say, "Well, Obama didn't do anything because." Well, uh, he thought I was going to win. <laughs> so it's like, so it was happening, and so since it wasn't affecting any anyway, eh, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal while it's going on, you know. If Hillary wins, but if Trump wins, we'll make a big deal out of it. I mean, am I wrong in that assessment?
3: No, no, I I don't think I think you're exactly on target. If if Hillary had won the election we would have never heard the word Russian in relation to elections. They never would have brought it up. Uh, It's completely manufactured, in my opinion. I don't agree with even when Trump has said they meddled, and I don't agree with that other than they did not any other year, you know, where they tried to do, I don't know. But the idea that there were 21 states hacked, that is not known. That is made up since the election. That was never mentioned until the last few weeks. Uh, then the person that announced it said uh, – with the Homeland Security uh, said a very minuscule amount of the 21 states they cracked into. It turned out then now they're saying there are seven of the 21. That's 33 percent. Not mini- They're just liars, liars, liars. Hillary is a combination of a complete liar, a idiot communicator, and a bore, total bore. And the reason I believe her and Obama never could Obama could speak for an hour, and you couldn't ever quote him. He never said one quotable line in his entire life is because their agenda is so different than what they're they have to talk to the American people as if they're trying to help the country when they know the agenda they're on is against what traditional America is in any sense, you know so that's why they're such horrible bores when they speak, and, and Hillary on top of everything else is 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 lying a lot of the time so yeah i and i don't know if you're going to play the other part where she basically said american women are so dumb when they're married or have boyfriends or have bosses that they voted for trump just because their boss or their boyfriend did you know but uh you uh, mean you you mean this you, you mean this jim
1: okay
0: the map of the united states there's all that red in the middle where trump won i win the coasts. i win you know illinois and minnesota places like that but what the map doesn't show you is that i won the places that represent two-thirds of america's gross domestic product so i won the places that are optimistic diverse dynamic moving forward and his whole campaign, Make America Great Again, was looking backwards. You know, you didn't like black people getting rights, you don't like women you know, getting jobs, you don't want to you know, see that Indian American succeeding more than you are. Whatever your problem is, I'm gonna solve it. So it was a symptom, but it was also a cause, because having someone run for president who voices those ideas Who rejects so much of the American story and our values was also the underlying cause as well.
4: Actually, Jim, I didn't have that. You know what? You're you're referring to something else. (coughs) Excuse me. You're referring to something else, and now I feel like, oh yeah, I should have had that, but I didn't. But I know what you're talking about because I heard it, and I should have had that audio. And believe me, I'm going to be playing these audios again. And again, oh, that, and again, okay. and again, okay. uh, because I, I think just, it's important. I think these things should make it to uh, Republican commercials.
3: Absolutely, and and I don't even think she realized she was completely insulting the intelligence of 52% of the women in the country who voted for Trump and saying they couldn't think for themselves. Uh, first of all
4: um, – I'm going to get that audio, and I'll play it on the next show.
3: Yeah, anyone can tell their boss or their boyfriend or their husband I'm going to vote this way. And go in both booth and secretly vote the the other way because it's a secret about The problem is Hillary was boring. People could sense she didn't like them. Somebody brought that up today. can't remember who it was, that people can sense that Hillary does not like the American people. I felt she had trouble hiding her contempt for her own supporters. So anyway, it's just a ridiculous uh, – she just continues to be a ridiculous person
4: yeah and I mean and, and and you're right, I mean, I know the as I said, I know the uh the audio you and I wish I had that audio on The I didn't have it, but uh but yeah i I heard that too, and I'm gonna get that put on here, and I think that ever i don't care I don't care what state you're in, I don't care what district you're in, I don't care what precinct you're in, I think you need to put that what you're talking about and the one the, the at least the one that's the one minute ten seconds. And I think they need to put that, and John, I'll get you on in a little bit. And I think uh, I think they should—that should be on every commercial. Everyone should play that commercial. And say, American people who voted for Trump, this is what Hillary Clinton—and not just Hillary Clinton—this is what the Democrats think about you. What do you think, Kelly?
6: Uh, why don't you go ahead and skip me because I got some noise in my. I, my voice won't come in a cell tower problem. So give me, give me five.
4: Okay, give him five. Okay. While well, we're while we're giving uh, some five, let's go ahead and bring in John. Uh, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How
1: are you tonight? I'm doing fine, gentlemen. Um, you guys sounding great. Had a great show. And um, I wanted to ask Jim Condit with uh, the mission that he's got with WatchTheVoteUSA.org. Is there a um, call to action for we, the people? Because, like, back in 2016 campaign, I took the information that I was gleaning from uh, Jim and what he was talking about on that, and I called my board of commissions or election commission uh, – well, I forget what they're called. But anyway – I looked it up for the election board and the commissioner, and I called them and I asked them about making sure that there was integrity throughout the system and that there was integrity throughout the chain of custody and that we needed to go back to making sure that the paper ballots are actually counted in the presence of the precinct constituents at the end of the night before they leave the building so that way the actual residents of that precinct could maintain integrity that the vote count was correct at that point in time and i don't know how many other people did that and i don't know if there's another call to action that's better than that or what so i was just hoping there was some update on what the new call to action was or if more people just need to do that again
3: well i mean you did the exact right thing you phrase it in exactly the right way it's not only the paper ballots it's counting the paper ballots before they leave the the site of the judges and the precinct people and you'd have a method you'd have appointed people picked advance to account randomly picked from the local uh uh you know, local neighborhood, and uh, they would get paid for, for four hours work, and they would have a workload of four hours. So that, yeah, just, but that's the main thing. You just say we need paper ballots counted, hand counted by the people before they leave the site of the judges and the people that are at the precinct. And of course, anyone's welcome to come observe. It should be that way. So that's what to do. Now, the, the call to action is on openlettertodonaldtrump.com, and on there you'll see a tab that says, New open letter 2017. We got to get that change to 2018. And the three items there. The first two apply, and that is do what you do. You know, you know, educate people on what a, a legal, verifiable, transparent count is, and that's the only way to do it. Uh, to be it, make it totally transparent. Uh, and then secondly, then you can you know make ballot images and run it through the computers to check the hand count. But that first. Hand, Phase has to be a hand count. Okay, it has to be to have a really transparent, verifiable election. The second thing is that everybody in the country, the NRA could could uh, get this going in a few minutes. uh, Should be running for precinct in the Republican, Democratic parties and taking over the county precinct organizations, which then you can change the party leaders. We're trying to get someone. Trump with both of those. If Trump would call for the for the hand counted paper ballot before the ballots leave the site of the people, and would ask all his supporters in the Democrat and Republican Party uh, to go into the precincts and run for precinct, so that by 2020 we could take over the counties. First of all, the county decides when you take over your county, the county decides how the vote is counted, so they can throw the computers out. Uh, as far as the first phase of the count and do the hand count, each county decides that on their own. And then, uh, secondly, uh, you could then nominate and back people like Todd, was it, was it Watson, uh, Robert? Was his name Todd Watson?
1: Watson? Yes.
3: Todd Watson. So we could back people like him and have constitutional, uh, Uh, congressional and senatorial candidates and change the congress once you had a congress made up of people like you're on this call or or him or Rand paul you could undo uh in, in a few months the hundred years of tricks that have been played on us by the federal reserve crowd and all of their minions at the local level of that of that crowd all their their grassroots network that they've really taking control of the country because our people don't even know about the precinct so the ultimate activism is to run for precinct which is very easy in your neighborhood for the party of your choice and then go to the go to the uh, if you get elected you go to the the party meeting which is usually like in June of the even years and then you elect the new party head that would be a constitutionalist then we change the voting back and we're trying to get to trump to have him make that call and to set up on his 2020 Campaign. He's already announced he's running. So we're recommending that he put someone in charge of the precinct effort. That he put ten, you know, ten people with phones, and they spend full time answering questions and finding Trump people to run for precinct. There's about 250,000 precincts. So you, with 500,000 people, the NRA has five million members alone. Uh, you know, because they would they would be pro-Trump people. A lot of these other organizations, Ron Paul got 10 million votes or 15 million votes. Uh, so you, you, you get everybody to run for – and now we're really overthrowing the deep state. We're overthrowing the shadow government for good. And that's what – and by the way, when John Hannity first started saying deep state, he played a clip the other night, Robert and John and Kelly. He played a clip, and, and the first time he brought it up, he said the shadow government or the deep state – I prefer shadow government, but either one will do. And I think we have to thank Sean Hannity for making deep state a household word in the political world now. So anyway, that there is a real plan. Go to, go to openlettertodonaldtrump.com, and then the tab that says New Open Letter 2017. I hope it will soon say 2018. But there, the first two items are how we really take back the country completely. I, but I'm afraid but, you know, only pre- – I'm afraid only President Trump can get it going. I mean, I've tried for 40 years on both on the vote fraud in 30, since 1986, 88 on the precinct. We need if he would make the call and he would we could get advice to him, how they set it up, how they work with the people. It would be the craziest time ever in political uh, history because in our lifetime, because these ruling elite people would be going nuts. Uh, Trump would have to take extra care for his life at that point because
1: we would be coming right at them to overthrow him for good. So, so I, I want to put out an appeal to everybody that listens to this show, either by, you know, if they're listening to it live now, or well, or over the phone because the streaming may be stopped at this point, or if they're getting this podcast at a later point, that over the next number of weeks, plan to make a few days throughout the week. TO CALL PRESIDENT TRUMP AT 202-456-1111 AND TELL THEM JUST TO GO CHECK OUT OPENLETTERTODONALDTRUMP.COM. IF EVERYBODY ACROSS THE NATION STARTS CALLING PRESIDENT TRUMP AT THAT PARTICULAR NUMBER, WHICH IS 202-456-1111 AND EVERYBODY CONTINUE TO REPEAT THE SAME MESSAGE, HEY, PRESIDENT TRUMP, GO CHECK OUT OPENLETTERTODONALDTRUMP.COM. More likely he'll do it, and he'll get that information, and then he'll hopefully be able to follow up, and then the rest of us can go to that website and get updated on what we need to do to help control our precincts and and coordinate. So right, that's,
4: that's an it. excellent and real and, and real that's real excellent. quick, guys, because uh, you you mentioned and I want to play it, and it's going to be an audio. I did find that audio uh, for uh, what you were mentioning earlier. Uh, with hillary clinton it's only a couple minutes and so i want to do that real quick before we could get yeah, more commentary is, is, so, so let's is, go I'm ahead so very- and, uh, and listen to that it's, it's, it's really damning again I'm, you know, I'm hoping we could get this on some commercials for some republicans all across the country so let me get that keyed in for you john that was an excellent right. suggestion by the way of the details of
1: the American election, is how almost 52% of white women voted for him, in spite of the Billy Bush tape and so forth. How do you explain that?
0: Well, i explaining that um, Democrats, going back to my husband even before, but just in recent times, going back to Bill and, and, and uh, our candidates and then President Obama, have been losing the white vote, including white women. Uh, we do not do well with white men, and we don't do well with married white women. Um, and part of that is a, an identification with the Republican Party uh, and a, um, a, a sort of ongoing pressure uh, to uh, vote the way that your husband, your boss, uh, your son, whoever, Uh, believes you should and what happened in my election is I was on the way to winning um, white women until former director of the FBI Jim Comey dropped that uh, very ill-advised letter on October the 28th and my numbers just went down because all and I heard a lot of anecdotal evidence about this people have written about it all of a sudden you know white women who were going to vote for me and frankly standing up to the men in their lives and the men in their workplaces uh, were being told, she's going to jail. You know, you don't want to vote for her. You know, it's going to be terrible. You can't vote for that. So it just, it stopped my momentum and it decreased my vote uh, enough because I was, I was ahead, I was winning, and I thought I had fought my way back in the 10 days from that letter until uh, the election, I fell a little bit short. And so I think that it, it was part of a historical trend that I was bucking, and then it collapsed on me.
1: How do you explain Comey's uh, behavior?
4: Okay, and of course, you know, <laughs> this lady, I tell you what, it's... But anyway, so that that, that portion, especially when she's trying to blame the, the married women, now, and of course, see how she backtracked, like, well, you know, I was bucking it, and they were they were going to vote for me, and then, and then she blamed Comey, and and then blah blah blah, blah. Um, you know. But I mean, that, that the one portion where she's blaming them, you know, and even 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 the backtrack to show that, you know, you know her, what you know what she's trying to do there could be a part of the commercial, but especially where she's trying to blame them uh, for that. But let's go ahead and uh, sorry for interrupting you, John. But I did find the audio. I want to get it on uh, the podcast portion here, uh, so that you know hopefully when it gets out, the the folks perhaps they will be like, hey, wait a minute, maybe we should. Uh, You know, incorporate these in in, in all of our, uh, you know, commercials And not all of them, but, you know, at least we know On some of the commercials, and say, look Because remember, when she started off, she said we You know, sorry about that, I had to adjust the volume there She said we, uh, and so, you know, when she said we She meant the Democrats, not just her Go ahead, John
1: no, I was done. Jim was just commenting on what I was saying. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead, Jim. Sorry about that guy. Yeah,
3: no, I, I just wanted to make sure
4: was, I got that play. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, no, no, that was good. That was an excellent suggestion by John. Because when you go to openlettertodonaldtrump.com, I put we put right at the top. Uh, Please see the menu tab, new open letter 2017. So. Even though there's other stuff on the home page, the first thing is to go to that tab to see the game plan. And uh, they they got the, uh, you know, with their presidential campaign, they have the manpower to provide the leadership because people need leadership. They need to be told and kind of coached along if they have any questions, how to run in their own area, which is a little different from state to state, but always easy, whether they have a convention or a primary. And then finally – Um, after they get enough people running in a particular area they would have to find an office holder or a prominent citizen who would or someone who's been with the Trump campaign and say this will be our new chairman of either the Democrat or Republican Party. They would have to put up a leader and find a leader who would work with the Trump agenda if there isn't already one there. Okay, And most of them that are even already there that claim they're with the Trump agenda, I I wonder because a lot of them were opposing Trump during the election, you know. But
1: in any case, that is
3: is really not it, it's kind of a impossible seems like an impossible task with just the few of us and even the thousands of people I've contacted to do it. But if Trump would call for it and put a infrastructure of of advisors or people that answer the phone behind it. It could happen within months. I'm telling you, it could happen within months because he's got, you know, what does he got? Does, uh, does he got 70 million people on his Twitter and his Facebook and all that? I mean, he's got a lot of people that could, have, would, have, all that needed, and people want to know what to do. They're like, what can we do? What can we do? Uh, and but they they tell him write letters, come to rallies, on all, all this stuff. Over the last 30 years, the Tea Party—that's all they told him, really. Anybody that had any big mic. But the answer is get in the precincts and take over the grassroots parties, and then then we can upend and boot out the entire deep state uh, and their personnel. Because a lot of people at your county level, if you said you're working for the deep state, they would say, no, I'm not. They don't even realize what they're working for, but they got in and they're, they're going where their bread is buttered and all that kind of stuff, as opposed to being in the hard road of third party or resistance politics that we are all tr- trotting along, not uh, doggedly trotting along that road, as someone once
1: said. Now you're suggesting that Trump does this through his new um, you know reelection campaign, not through the yeah. federal government, right?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, through the campaign. I'm suggesting though that he said it, you know all these things he goes to do when he did this big rally, like in Pennsylvania. Uh, he does it through his campaign. Those are always campaign exp- uh,
1: uh, appearances. So
3: so I am suggesting he mention it in every speech, put out a tweet once a week, and have those phones ready. Call this number if you want to help us uh, take over the uh, Republican and Democratic Party, because all those Reagan Democrats, all those blue-collar Democrats uh, would would come out for Trump. And again, you don't need 200 million people. There's 300 million people in the country there's only 250,000 precincts so you know you get 250,000 in one 250,000 in the other you 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 you're going to be challenging in every county all 3,141 counties and Trump could do it if I could get his ear and get could direct this campaign in this regard uh we would have the country on fire within weeks and 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 they would be they would be panicking, which means they would probably start to retaliate in some way because they are aware. The party leaders and the people behind them, the money guys behind them, uh, they realize this is where the power is. Our people, our our people hungering for a constitutional government and for a government that's trying to serve American people, our people don't know what to do, and nobody for some reason will tell them what to do. Um, So... Uh, You know, when Glenn Beck had that big rally of two million people or one million people back in 2008, uh, I know people who were trying to get to him and to any Sarah Palin, anybody who was speaking, tell everybody to go back home and run for precinct, that that's where the real power is. The precinct elects the party chairman, the party chairman nominates the candidates and picks them up, but just tell them to run for precinct. They couldn't get anybody to do it. They could not get anybody to do it, or if they got to them, they didn't do it.
1: Well, kind of makes you wonder. Okay. Real
3: quick, uh, John, Kelly, uh, Kelly's
4: ready to, to, to be back on. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it back over to you, Kelly, it looks like we do got about, uh, wow, just about uh, 10 minutes before we guys start doing closing comments, uh, and then I'll have to close things out for this evening. Um, whereas I'm uh, working on guests for next week, uh, we will keep you posted on that. Uh, we might just be topical, and believe me, I have a feeling we're going to have a, you know, a lot to talk about, um, and then on the 28th uh, we are um, not going to have a show. That is my daughter's big 16th birthday, uh, so I will not be uh, I will not be doing a show on that night for obvious reasons. Um, and then on the 7th uh, we're looking to have uh, uh, Mr. Toyos on. Uh, still got to finalize some things with his communications director. Uh, he's running for Senate uh for Tennessee in Tennessee, so we're working on uh getting him in into the show. Uh but let's go ahead and bring it back over to you, Kelly. Go ahead.
6: Well after these Hillary clips, I just had such a change of heart. I feel so sorry for her. She didn't win. Oh, it's too bad. I you know, I guess if she runs again, I'll just believe her when she says she's not a criminal. And the Justice Department does some things. I just, I just will believe her, you know, and her and her husband that they're good people, and and you know, I'll be one of those white male, white married, white working males that just don't seem to vote for the Democrats. I, I guess that's what I'll be because I feel so sorry for her. I'm just not a low information voter that can be easily swayed, but it those clips just won me over to vote for her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, she's still kinda of whining about it, I guess. Yeah. I'm gonna whine for her. Oh it's just uh oh whoops, sorry, forgot about that. I'm a libertarian, I just wouldn't do that. But anyway <laughs> Yeah. You know, she said we. we we, we, what if she got worms? Um <laughs> anyway. Um yeah, precinct strategy, uh Jim, I've checked it out in my county and I would encourage everybody to do this. It's terribly easy. But I checked it out in my county. We don't have a precinct strategy because we're a very small population. But for some reason, the Republicans decided to – whoever shows up or whoever they want to show up, they become the control people at the Central Committee. Is is that – Kelly,
3: is that for the county? Is that for Siskiyou County? Uh, Yeah,
6: Siskiyou County and other counties, larger counties, yeah, these – the positions okay, well, are on the ballot because I haven't seen our central right. committee on the ballot but you go to Alameda or San Francisco Bay Area they have um central committee okay. people to get elected now, so
3: okay i think what you'll find there some counties do it by um a convention so that if you if you dig into the party uh, if you can get the party charter or even you could, the secretary of state should have the info then it might be whoever brings the most people to the meeting that is a registered Republican. But they got to have some process. they got to have some process where they can be replaced. But, of course, they really don't want you to know about that process. But smaller counties can have conventions and not have the precinct on the ballot. Sometimes that's what you're doing is is qualifying to attend the convention.
6: Right. Well, back in Iowa, when I went through the caucus system, I went from a caucus to the uh, county convention as a delegate, than to the district convention. So, right, um right. But, but yeah, I I went to. By the way, just it's, it's, it, I would encourage people to go to a libertarian convention just to see how the inner workings are, and they'll welcome anybody pretty much. Just be up front. I'm an observer. Okay, you can't vote on anything like platform or rules or endorsements or blah 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 resolutions. But when you go to a Uh, state convention or a county convention and libertarian party you get to see something phenomenal which is this the inner workings of the party because there's an enormous amount that goes on behind the scenes and one of the things we did at the state libertarian convention is we had endorsements what are endorsements we support this candidate we support that candidate we support this measure we support this state initiative and those endorsements are really really powerful because if you have um, a precinct people taking over, you know, the county, the district. This happened in Michigan, by the way, where freedom lovers took over, uh, and, and other places too. It's stunning when people get together and do this. But if if you got one of those good old boys, that's going to run again for Congress, and you're in charge of the party now, and you endorse his opposition. Whoops! Some of these good old boys are going to be gone, and this endorsement. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's huge. So if, if like, um, for example, in a primary, if somebody's running, it's a good old boy, and in the same party, they don't endorse him, but they endorse the opposition, the the new guy, the grassroots guy, guess what? That that, uh, good old boy is really hurting right now. So, you know, it's an easy thing to check out. You can go to your county clerk, how do I become a precinct, uh, precinct captain or precinct chair? And then... You knock on some doors, and typically these positions that you're you're unopposed. You're unopposed. Get five friends, vote. There you go. You're in. So, but if you have a um, competition, just start knocking on doors, in your precinct. Hi, I'm Bob. I'm running for uh, the precinct captain. Oh, what's that about? Well, you know, it's it's a representation into the county convention. Oh, well, here's a flyer. Here's what I'm about. You know, you take the time, knock on the doors. So in Virginia, the um, what's his name? I can't remember. It's been years ago, but they got a good old boy out there. They got good old boys out in Michigan. They've had successes with this. Arizona, some people are working on it. So yeah, precinct strategy is really important, and even just um, I mean, I've gone to the county clerk so many times, I can't even count them anymore, and we have a new county clerk running, you know, that's how I know some of these things, but you can go to the county clerk, hey, what's the paperwork? It's going to on our precinct strategy, uh, precinct captain. Um, I mean, we can talk about politics all day long, but when we get in inside the party, that's where a lot of work is really done. So, so I'm, I'm encouraging three things: one, yes, um, go to a Libertarian uh, state convention just for the practice, just to see the inner workings of a party. Number two, go to your um, precinct, go to your county clerk and pick up a form. And three, tell a friend to, to in a different precinct. Hey, let's go together. Let's have lunch. And let's go pick up the precinct. Application form. So, that's that's my. I'm going to well, turn it back over to to Jim. I guess. Well,
3: I I just want to back up Kelly in that I've always been amazed at what can be done by a few of us working together. We've won some astounding victories, but there weren't enough of us that knew. In other words, that's why we need Trump or somebody with a national ability to convince people this is important. But if some say several million people knew, hey, this is where the power is. Uh, if you want a peaceful constitutional change uh, we've always been working for that you know i always tell people the you could always go for 1776 too but that's not practical nobody knows what they would be doing and you'd be shooting at people who don't really know what's going on so that's not practical and we've always worked for the peaceful constitutional solution but the that is the precinct and a few of us doing stuff has um, sometimes had amazing results. So if a few million people realize this is where the action was, uh, we would be in, on, the, on the verge of, of uh, you know, taking back the country, as, as they always say. Taking it back for what? Taking it back for freedom, for equal opportunity in politics? Because well, I imagine, Kelly, the Libertarian Party ran a transparent, open convention, usually the Republicans— and Democrats do not; they they are not really damn glad to. My brother calls some people. He's in the damn glad to be here committee. You know, he'll say that. Well, uh, they are not darn glad to see you at the Republican and and Democratic Party conventions. So let me tell you. But I, well, so I I, I can tell you thing. something
6: unique about the Libertarians is they have set things up. Okay, they have set things up so that good old boy things can't happen. They set up things differently. As a system of accountability in their inner workings of their party, not every state, but most states have done this so that you know trickery can't happen. Um, it, it, the Republican Party is—I don't want to say too big—but their convention system, you can't really get anything done unless you know somebody that knows somebody that knows some people at the top. So it, it's yeah, I I would encourage you know I already said what I said but. Um yeah. Go attend a libertarian in you know libertarian party, the other half is probably more what they're about, is well, party. But you'll meet some neat people that are freedom loving and you'll get to see how the inner workings of a party occur. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh yes, that's you just have to see it, you have to experience it. Um it's a lot of fun too, by the way.
4: And at this point, uh, gentlemen, I'm going to have to uh, take closing comments from everyone here. Uh, the, each person's got yeah, about uh, a couple minutes, so it's in enough nothing you have to rush. Uh, but definitely on, uh, you know, I, I know you missed uh, our guest, unfortunately, uh, you know, tonight. But uh, for yourself, Kelly, uh, but the others, you know, were able to, uh, you know, listen and you know, think, speak with him at least. Uh, I think Jim did. Uh, so, uh, what we'll do is uh, we'll go ahead and uh, start with you, John, and then with you, uh, Jim, and then Kelly, and then I'll have to do some closing uh, closing comments for tonight. I'd say uh, each, you know, it's about uh, about a minute and a half or something like that, and then I'll have to close things out. Uh, go ahead, uh, we'll start with you, John.
1: Okay, this is going to be short and sweet. I'm going to throw it back to you, Robert, and explain to everybody how they, where they can go to get the details on helping raise money for your daughter to go to 2019 trip to Italy. Back to you.
4: Oh, I appreciate it. Now, uh, well, since you gave me the floor, I'll go ahead and do that at this time. Uh, yes, yeah, so, well, it's uh, pretty easy. It's, uh, just go to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, it's kind of on the top of the give page. It's something I've never done before and really uh, don't like doing it. Uh, but she has tuition <laughs> for school as well. So trying to do both uh, is a little taxing, no pun intended. Okay, actually, was well, a little intended a little bit. Uh, but anyway, so you can go there. It's on the give page. There's a, a secure link there that uh, has donations, uh, even a dollar. So any amount uh, would be uh, appreciated. I uh, say that I've been doing the show since 2012, uh, I actually pay to do the show. I don't really make any. I don't really. I don't make any uh, money off doing it. Uh, and so at this point, uh, I thought, well, you know what? Why not? People campaign, politicians campaign uh, for people to donate to their campaign. Uh, so why not? Why not give it a try? Um, the money does. I don't see any of it really. It goes straight to the uh, the tour. Uh, so it goes straight to them, so you don't have to worry about it going uh, to, uh, you know, to like a third party, like into, a, you know, an account, such us just like a PayPal or something like that, and then wondering, was it really going to make it to the tour people? This actually goes directly to them. Um, and so, you know, of course, you will read all the, the little fine print they've got there about it, uh, and if uh, you do so choose to uh, make a donation, uh, I want to give you my thanks uh, you know, for folks uh, listening out there Uh, To do so Really appreciate it Uh, And of course uh, No no need to purchase in order to hear the show Or whatever they say No purchase necessary or or whatever But I'm kind of joking there But it would be appreciated at any amount there Because I think it would be a great trip for her Um, As I said uh, She does have the opportunity to go to uh, Vatican City Being a Catholic I think she would find that uh, Fascinating for her um, You know to kind of see things uh, There um, so that would be pretty interesting. It, 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 you'll see the two different places that you will definitely be able to go there, uh, in Vatican City on the, on the post. So basically just go to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, uh, go to the Give page, and I'll give you some details and a link on, on how you could do that. Uh, so you can either do it anonymously or if you want to leave a little letter. Uh, that's uh, uh, up to each individual on how they want to do that. So I definitely appreciate it. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. And, so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, uh, Kelly. I mean, Kelly, we're going to do uh, Jim and then Kelly, and then I'll
3: close things out.
4: Uh, go ahead, Jim.
3: Okay, well, I think we've covered the basics uh, pretty good here on the call, so I don't have anything really new to add. Uh, so I really appreciate the quality of guests that you get on. I've been away for a while. I was forced for a while and have had other uh, <laughs> other. Distractions and Are you
4: able to give us an update yeah. on some of the things you've been working on?
3: Well, maybe I can do that next call because we've got only a minute here. But I'm basically trying to work with public figures who could bring this, the vote fraud issue to, and the solution to the public attention. And I want somebody who can get to Trump because Trump, well, there's not going to be another guy in there who I think would have the unorthodoxy to bring this up and try to fix it. So, uh, um We'll 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 try to give you a more comprehensive report when we got more time next call. But I appreciate the quality of guests like this, Todd Watson, you had on tonight, and keep up the good work. Okay. Well, thank you very much. One of the people I'm actually been you know looking and trying to get a hold of is
4: probably an outside shot, uh, and that is Peter Navarro. And you've probably heard me talk about or at least bring up occasionally his book, which is called The Coming China Wars, and uh, just doing a little. Uh, you know, look, see, to, um, you know, find some contact information. I actually found out that uh, he's actually uh, working uh, for Trump as an advisor. (laughs) So I didn't know that until, well, tonight. Um, And so actually he is uh, the National Trade uh, Council Director uh, for Trump. (laughs) So I didn't know that. So I've been, you know, so hopefully reach out to get him on now because he's got that high standing. Who knows we'll be able to get him onto the show he was a professor, you know, and, and an author of these books. Uh, but it looks like he's found himself some prominence uh and, and found his way into the Trump administration. So that being said, <laughs> who knows? Uh we well, I'm also working on trying to get you know, as I said, on uh, the twenty eighth I won't be here. Um but, you know, we are working on getting uh I know at least one more Senate candidate looking to try to get some gubernatorial candidates in. I've uh, been to a couple, actually got invited to a couple things from uh, Lieutenant Governor Mary Taylor. I've uh, been to a couple of her, her events, got invited to, just had a coffee where she was at uh, speaking. She's going up against uh, the rhino, Mike DeWine. Uh, I've even invited him uh, to come onto the show, both of them actually come onto the show and do a debate. Uh, Mary Taylor, Lieutenant uh, Governor Taylor, she has uh, said that she would do that, but of course it has to have. Uh, so DeWine and I have not heard back uh, from DeWine's camp. I'd like to do just a, a an interview with her as well. But I haven't gotten a hold of her communications director, but I have gotten a hold of, uh, you know, a person who's, uh, you know, kind of a local, you know, running a campaign for her locally. But, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. But we're working on those. But I believe their primaries in April. So that's that's coming. That's coming really close. So I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be feasible, but you know, we'll, we'll see how things go on, but let's go ahead. And for the next, uh, minute or so, uh, let's go ahead and, and Kelly, uh, do your closing comments. And unfortunately I'll have to close things out
1: tonight.
6: Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I missed so much of the show. I was having a spiritual experience out in the woods with the metal bar, moving rocks, uh, the Allah Akbar, uh, or Allah rock bar. <laughs> uh, um, But I I did, since I I, I don't want to comment much because I missed so much, but I did want to give a quote from Thomas Jefferson. Um, And he said, uh, I have taken an oath upon the altar of God, eternal vigilance against any form of tyranny over the mind of man. Uh, Back to you.
1: Well, thank you very much, Kelly.
4: I appreciate it. And, uh, again, uh, we look forward to seeing everyone Uh, He'll be able to make it next week. Uh, Perhaps one uh, week, uh, Jim, that you and Dr. Pilbert can have your discussion, which will be utterly fascinating, I believe, uh, on uh, how much influence does or does not the Jesuits have uh, in in the the, the workings uh, out there. So that would be, that definitely would be a, a, a conversation to have. And so, of course, I will have to close things tonight, as I do every night. Again, i uh, real appreciate if you uh, visit the website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Um, I do have, you know, an overall goal, but my short-term goal is by April the 14th uh, to come up with about 500 bucks. So we'll see how that goes. I'll keep people posted. Uh, just because I know you like me, so – I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, you know, I'm not one of the two horn or anything like that. But anyway, I will close tonight as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to ww.aubreashburn com. So thank you very much, uh, folks. Good night, and we'll see you next time. Robert Torn